0: Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta-8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you order online. Visit abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW, and you'll save 15% off your online order once again, on the website, abotanicalcompany.com, discount code Colby Show, 15% off at Artisan Botanicals. All right, mock draft today. Aaron Davis and I are going to alternate picks through the first round, all 32 picks made by us. And then we'll continue this tomorrow with rounds two and three. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I've got the big board stacked, I've got the draft needs all separated. Uh, I'm excited to do this. So again, we're going to knock out the first 32 picks today and then rounds two and three tomorrow. Also, want to let you know next Thursday night, We are going to be broadcasting live from Chalk Sports Bar in Chisholm Creek. So we're going to start that broadcast around 6.30, 30 minutes before the draft starts, uh, kind of get you ready for the draft, and then we're going to react, uh, predict, and analyze all 32 picks in the first round. So it's going to be a ton of fun. There are big-time giveaways. You're going to draw draw out of the hopper uh, some of the draft prospects. If you get a prospect that is taken in the top 10, you're going to win prizes. $3 Bud Light also throughout the evening, so It's going to be an awesome atmosphere for the NFL Draft, and if you're looking for a place to watch it, again, join us at Chalk in Chisholm Creek. All right, our mock draft begins now with Aaron Davis. If you're a draft nerd like we are, uh, Chalk in Chisholm Creek, next Thursday night, uh, we're going to be out there, again, uh, doing our live broadcast throughout the entire draft. Aaron Davis, are you ready for this first-round mock draft? I am, I am. I'm a... I'm excited.
1: We're uh, we're gonna put together the exact draft. I can just I sense it. We're gonna nail all 32 picks in the first round. I'll give us some leniency in the second and third rounds, but
0: first first round we're gonna
1: yeah pick by pick. We're
0: gonna nail it. 32 so, for uh, 32 yeah. today, and then tomorrow we're gonna do the second and third rounds. Uh, so we're gonna have what does it go to? Like 105, I think. 105 yeah, picks in the first three rounds. Uh, so yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna do those two rounds tomorrow. But yeah, thirty-two for thirty-two today. I, I firmly believe that we are, uh, with accurate precision, going to nail each and every one of these. Yeah, hundred percent. I,
1: I have no doubts. We uh we've been talking draft for for a while now. Real heavy yeah. in the past like three or four weeks. But even before that, when we were talking draft. Hell, what was like December. I feel like we were talking about yeah. the draft January.
0: And and look. It, we all know that uh, everybody drafts based on need. There's no such thing as best player available and drafting a position that you don't need. So we know the needs. We're going to draft by need, I'm, I'm sure most likely in this situation. So of course we're going to nail it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, best player available is the phrase that is responsible for so many failed mock drafts. Well, you just got to know which teams have a trend yeah. of taking the best player yeah. available. It's like, yeah. oh, you have the 5th pick and you need a tight end, an offensive tackle, and a defensive lineman. Of course you're going to go safety. 100%. Yeah, I mean yeah. the best available. Yeah. I love it. All right. Um, I, I told you yesterday, I'm going to give you the odd picks in this first round, mostly because I just want to make the selection for the Dallas Cowboys at 10. I think it's an interesting spot. Uh, I'll give my analysis of that pick when we get there, depending on, on what's available. But uh, I, I'm really fascinated. I, I think you have several picks in this first round that, to me, are kind of interesting spots and maybe turning points as far as how I think this draft may, may kind of go the other direction, if you will. Uh, but, uh, yeah, first pick, you are on the clock, sir. Okay, real quick, are we drafting as what we would do as GMs or what we think
1: the teams will do?
0: I think you can kind of go a-, a combination. Okay. Um, like, right. for example, my QB number two, and I'll explain this in a second, but my QB number two in this draft is Justin Fields. I have Justin Fields above Zach Wilson. But it's no secret that the New York Jets with the second pick are not going to take Justin Fields. So I'm not going to take Justin Fields to the Jets there because we kind of know that that's that's the direction they're going to go. So if it makes sense, then then yes. But otherwise, no. That's at least the way I'm doing it. Okay. So with the first pick,
1: we talked about nailing all those 32 picks, which we're going to do. Talked about taking the best available and team needs. Well, that's why the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to take Sam Ellinger with the number 1. Oh, no, I'm just playing. Uh, it's obviously Trevor Lawrence. I don't need to like go into like a whole spiel. We know it's Trevor Lawrence. Or Meyer has essentially said they're taking Trevor Lawrence with the number 1 pick. He's one of the highest uh, rated quarterbacks of the past, you know, decade in college football. Really no flaws in his game. Trevor, it has to be Trevor Lawrence. There's no doubt it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. He has the highest odds to go number 1, I think all time. So, Trevor Lawrence.
0: Yeah. What is the expectation for Trevor Lawrence, for you at least? Like, is it, is it like You're Pro Bowl immediately? I mean, it, it almost feels like because he is viewed as such a safe pick, such a guarantee, uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't heard a lot of conversation about, like, how soon people feel like they expect him to, to be good. Like, what's the timeline here? I, like, does I, he need to okay, be as so- good as Justin Herbert was a year ago in year number one? Or, or are we having that, he, that conversation?
1: I, I think being in Jacksonville is going to give him a lot more leniency. Obviously, like he's going to go into Jacksonville with the with a big spotlight on him. But um, you know, playing in the Jacksonville market compared to LA, even if the Chargers are by far the second team in LA, which is by far like I would say the NFL in that market is second, maybe third, with the Dodgers being as successful as they are right now. Um, but I, I think that. I think he needs to be good. He can't go in there and be bad. He doesn't have to be Justin Herbert level where we say like this dude is going to be a, he might be an MVP in five years or something like that, but he needs to be good. They need to win more. They definitely need to win more than one game. Like there, ha- it has to be an improvement over what they had last year. There's nobody in that room, that building right now that's going to compete with him for that starting job. As much as people love Gardner Minshew, he's nothing more than a mediocre quarterback in the NFL. So Trevor Lawrence is going to go in there day one. He's going to be the starter. I think if he – he'll put up good numbers because it's the NFL in 2021. It's not super difficult for a quarterback to put up decent numbers. But yeah. I think if they go in there and he wins six games, I think you've got to look at it as an improvement. Urban Meyer's never coached in the NFL. And honestly, I think Urban is going to be a bit of a disaster in Jacksonville. I don't think he's suited to coach in the NFL – um, just with the stories we've heard and the way that he likes to control and dictate everything, I don't think that's gonna play well long term but if he can, if trevor Lawrence can go in there and win six games and throw you know 25 to 30 touchdowns and you know 10 to 12 interceptions, I think you've got to be pretty okay with that yeah. it's not like he's going into a great roster and they're fine right. they're okay but he's not going in and taking over the 49ers yeah I don't
0: I, I don't really have a like games one expectation, I guess, for Jacksonville, because, again, they're, they're in this position for a reason. They're not a very good football team. They have a lot of holes to fill, and, and even though I think they have, what, like four picks in the first two rounds, I, I don't think that just magically fixes all the issues. So, no. I, like, I, I don't know what the win total is going to be, and I, I don't, uh, you know, like you said, brand-new head coach, you're, you're implementing new schemes on both sides of the football. Uh, I, I, I've, maybe maybe they have the number one pick again next year. But I think as far as him as an individual, maybe like what Joe Burrow accomplished last year, if he's similar to Joe Burrow...
1: Oh, that's... then I I would be ecstatic if I'm a Jags fan. Yeah. Outside of getting hurt.
0: Yeah, obviously, yeah. I mean, uh, but but look, Joe Burrow had success uh, with a bad offensive line. I mean, he was able to show that he is the quarterback of the future in Cincinnati, and they can be happy about the draft pick. So I think if it's a similar situation to that, again, I I don't know what the statistics are going to look like, and I don't know that I'm like... He has to throw for 3,000 yards or, you know, X amount of touchdowns. But I think if you just get the sense, like you did with Joe Burrow a year ago, like, hey, this guy obviously makes plays every week. Uh, he shows the ability to play in this league. Then I think you're probably happy.
1: That's look what Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert did last year was absolutely incredible, especially when you consider the Chargers and Bengals probably had two of the four worst offensive lines in the NFL And there was no training camp. There was no mini camp. Like, rookie quarterbacks going in there and putting up big numbers and playing really good football with everything that was going on was super impressive. So I think that Trevor Lawrence can – I think he'll have – I think he'll be fine. I think he'll have a good year. But I don't expect him to be, like, a world-beater or anything. He's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, agreed.
0: Uh, By the way, PFF graded the L.A. Chargers the number 32 offensive line in the NFL last year. So the Chargers had the worst – Cincinnati had the 30th, so... There you go. Of the 32 teams, yeah, there you go. The two rookie quarterbacks, uh, 30 and 32, their offensive lines. All right, the number two pick in this draft belongs to the New York Jets. Obviously, they trade Sam Darnold away. Like I said, I like Justin Fields as the number two quarterback in this class, but we know the Jets aren't taking Justin Fields. Uh, This is pretty much common knowledge at this point. The Jets are going to take Zach Wilson, so... I'm not going to disrupt the flow of this draft by throwing a wrench in things and just to be different. So um, this is what is going to happen. So we're just going to roll with it. Zach Wilson is the pick for the Jets. Look, I'll say this about Zach Wilson. Even though I think when you start comparing players in drafts and people start taking sides, it's almost as though you have to start tearing down the guy that that you're not backing, right? And I think that's the case. Like, throughout this process, there's been a lot of conversation about Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and which guy you prefer. And the draft world kind of seems to be split on these two guys. And it's like whatever guy you've chosen, you have to start tearing down the other guy to make your point more valid. And i'm I like Justin Fields better, but like it's not one of those things where I think like Zach Wilson is trash because I like Justin Fields. I, I think Zach Wilson uh, is a very interesting prospect. It's, it's hard not to like how the ball just jumps out of his hand. You know, we, we were, Aaron, privileged enough to watch guys like Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray play in Norman, and when you watch those guys throw the football, there's, there's just something special about the velocity uh, in which the ball comes out of their hand, and I think Zach Wilson has some of that as well. Um, he's, you know, he's a, a playmaker outside the pocket. I think this is a really interesting pick for the Jets. I think he's going to need a lot of help, and they're going to have to do a lot around him, But, I mean, when you look at what the NFL is today, um, I'm really interested to see how things play out for Zach Wilson, but he's got to be protected.
1: Yeah, uh, just to reiterate how spoiled we've been here, uh, I covered OU football for four years. I never did not cover a Heisman finalist quarterback, (laughs) and all of them started in the NFL as rookies. So, yeah, yeah, we're definitely spoiled. Let me ask you this, though, and this is kind of a moot argument at this point, but I'm just curious on your opinion. How much
0: better is Zach Wilson than Sam Darnold, if at all? I think I think he's slightly better. I, I, I feel like he's a little bit more athletic. I, I like him better throwing the football outside the pocket and on the run. Um, I think there's a little bit more pop when he throws the football, but I don't think it's a significant margin.
1: Yeah, I don't either. Um, I, I, yeah, I was just curious. Again, like it's a moot point because Darnold's gone. And right. it, it, he's out of the conversation. But um, I think, yeah, people sleep on him. But, yeah, they're going Zach Wilson – here um, I, again, they've kind of much like Jacksonville kind of just have essentially just said they're yeah, they're taking Zach Wilson too. Uh, it's kind of been penciled in for a while now and yeah I, I wouldn't be shocked if in a week. hopefully they just get the card in quick because we we've, they've had plenty of time. they know right. who's there and they know who they like unless but, unless yeah. they're
0: gonna just do that deal where they they just start calling everybody and they're like, hey, if you want to give us three future first rounders, we'll give you Zach Wilson, and then they'll take it all the way down to five seconds. They're like, All right, make the decision, yes or no. Uh
1: all right, we'll do it. Ah, never mind. We're gonna take Zach. Never mind. Wilson. We're gonna we take him mind. anyway. Yeah. Keep yeah. your five
0: first round picks. We changed yeah. our mind. Yeah. So yeah, all I right, think so- I think the biggest difference is just for me at least. Zach Wilson feels like he gives you a little bit more like playmaker than Sam Dorland, A little so. more
1: Yeah, yeah. He uh he has more of that, yeah, that backyard football kind of thing. Yeah. For sure. All right, uh, number three, 49ers on the clock. I think that you mentioned that I've got some pretty interesting picks uh, early in this draft at the odd spots, and I agree. I think that this is this spot is going to change the draft dramatically based on where San Francisco goes. Cincinnati and Detroit are also, like, I think it's it, those three teams, we really don't know what they're doing. Atlanta as well at four, but those three teams – could go in many directions and completely just shift the direction of the rest of the draft, uh, especially in the first round. But I'm not buying into the smoke. I'm not. I'm not going to believe that San Francisco went through all of the trouble they went through to get up to three to take Mac Jones. Which where where were they at originally? They were they were in the top fifteen for sure, right?
0: They were uh, twelve, I believe, right? Twelve. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, twelve. Philadelphia is at 12 right Miami, now. Because Miami had three, Philadelphia yeah, had six, Miami, yeah. and I think San Francisco had 12. And, yeah, Miami okay. traded three to San Francisco and then traded Philly to move back to six, and Philly dropped. Yeah.
1: There is no world, in my opinion, where Mac Jones is not there at 12. Two months ago. Whenever, like, the season ended and the draft order was set, you're going to tell me that Mac Jones – that. San Francisco looked at Mac Jones and said, you know what? He's not going to be there at 12. He's going to be like, there's, I I cannot see a scenario where he's not there. Maybe you look at Carolina and say that, you know, them getting Sam Darnold kind of makes that picture clear. But before when San Francisco made this trade, they didn't know. But to trade up to three, I don't know. They could have traded up to five or six or seven and gotten Mac Jones. Probably. I think as time is going on, they're watching Justin Fields more. I think they're going to go with Justin Fields. I think that they're going to realize that Justin Fields is the more dynamic playmaker. He has a bigger ceiling in the NFL, um, physically gifted, arm strength, all that stuff. Anything that you could get out of Mac Jones immediately, it might take Justin Fields, like the the IQ stuff and the accuracy. It might take him a little bit of time to get there, but he's going to get there, and he's got things that Mac Jones doesn't have already. And that's unbelievable arm strength athleticism size I think that John Lynch and and Kyle Shanahan are going to realize that they gave up so much they have to get a guy that can be a future MVP caliber quarterback in the NFL so I'm going to go Justin Fields at 3 for San Francisco
0: I like the pick and and I agree with it um you know I I I did the mock draft last week where I had people that cover each team make the the picks and and this was also the pick um for San Francisco, uh, from my buddy, Rob louder. And I, he, he made an interesting point and And I agree with it because I asked him the question, like, why is Mac Jones the pick here for so many people? And, and the, the justification is always, well, he's such a great fit for what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. And I was like, what does that mean? What does, what does Mac Jones do that Justin Fields doesn't? That's so much more significant than like the physical tools that Justin Fields has to offer that Mac Jones doesn't, and and basically he was like, I think people just say that because Mac Jones, from a tool standpoint, what his his physical tools is just kind of what Kyle Shanahan has always had. So yeah, he's, yeah, he's it's he's not so much that he's a great fit as much as he just kind of resembles what Kyle Shanahan has always had. But look, the NFL is changing, right? Like it's it's yep. uh, it's an evolving league, and, and Kyle Shanahan is one of the.
1: I'd say he's probably one of the three to five best coaches in the NFL. He's not stupid enough to think that he's,
0: you know, not to change with the league. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, great pick. Justin Fields, three to San Francisco. Uh, This is another spot that I think is incredibly interesting. The Atlanta Falcons on the clock at number four. Um, I, I think there are two ways Atlanta goes with this. I think that they either look at their roster and say, you know, how, how many opportunities, because they're still a good team. They're, they're just not really a contender in my book. Uh, how many opportunities are we going to get to be in a draft scenario where we can take a franchise quarterback when you consider where Matt Ryan is at this stage of his career? Matt Ryan's not done, but he's not an MVP candidate anymore. He's, he's not playing that caliber football. So at some point, you're going to have to find his replacement. Do you want to wait a couple years and, and ride... Matt Ryan to the very end and then potentially have to draft a quarterback, trade up to draft a quarterback, get a quarterback later in the first round, and then maybe throw him in immediately? Or do you take advantage of having this top-five pick situation where you get a guy like a Trey Lance, you have Matt Ryan in place, he can learn from Matt Ryan, he doesn't have to play immediately? I think that's a dream scenario for Atlanta. Or you just say, you know what, let's go get the best football player available, Kyle Pitts, to me, is the safest pick in this entire draft. I mean, if you were going to bet everything you owned on one player in this draft working out in the NFL, it kind of feels like Kyle Pitts would be that guy. So I think this is, this is a big-time dilemma, uh, in my opinion, for Atlanta and what they're going to do. But I think, ultimately, the quarterback position is just so valuable, and I don't think you have the opportunity very often to take a guy that you... You view as a franchise quarterback. I, I just don't. I, I think when that opportunity is there, you're foolish if you pass it up because it may, you, you may not get it again. I mean, there are teams that, that have not been in position to take a franchise quarterback in, in decades. Uh, so I, I think Atlanta's in a really nice position here where if they like Trey Lance, they can take him. If they don't, then your, your consolation is Kyle Pitts. Like, what a, what a great position to be in. I'm going to give them Trey Lance. I I think they're going to go with the quarterback. Again, I think you look at the skill set. Everything you said about Justin Fields, I think, applies to Trey Lance. He has the opportunity to sit and learn behind Matt Ryan. Trey Lance, North Dakota State, the pick to Atlanta at four.
1: Yeah, I I think that I I agree. This is a super interesting pick because we don't really know in detail where Atlanta's front office sits with Matt Ryan and kind of – how much time they think they had? He has left as a uh, good enough starter to get them to where they want to be. Um, they're in a super tough division. Uh, I agree. It might be smart to kind of start playing for three to five years down the road uh, in that division once Tom Brady's out, once you know Drew Brees is out now. So we'll see where New Orleans is at without him. Uh, they'll probably be a little bit better, honestly, than what they were last year because Drew Brees was terrible. But Yeah, Trey Lance is the one quarterback in this first round that everybody's saying, well, he needs a little bit of time. He's not quite ready to be an NFL starter just yet. I don't know if that's uh, mostly rooted in his abilities or in the fact that he played at North Dakota State and just didn't play that high level of competition that the other quarterbacks have seen. I'm I'm not 100% sure on that, but... I I think it's a
0: combination of not having played last season, basically. Mm -hmm. He didn't play in, I mean, the one game, but he didn't play in 2020 and the level of competition.
1: Yeah, and he wasn't good in that one game either, um, which, take it with a grain of salt, it was one game. But, yeah, so I I, I like the pick. I don't think that Atlanta's going to go quarterback here. I think the most likely scenario is they probably trade out. But who knows? We'll see. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they take Trey Lance either, so... That leads into my fifth pick, which you taking Trey Lance definitely makes it a lot tougher on me. Who I would go with for Cincinnati? A lot of people say they need a receiver, but I look. I just don't. I think taking Jamar Chase or any receiver at the fifth pick right here would be absolutely stupid. The receiving core is not the best in the NFL by any means, but I don't think it's so bad that you need to take a, a receiver with the fifth pick when you've got when you've got des- like dire needs in other positions. Yeah, um, you know. Tyler Boyd is good. T. Higgins is good. Like they're fine. They're okay at receiver for now. So I'm debating between Kyle Pitts, who you and I have both agreed behind Trevor Lawrence is probably the best player in this draft. They could use another weapon for sure, especially if it's a Kyle Pitts like caliber guy. But they had the, we just talked about it. They had the 30th worst ranked offensive line, according to PFF, Joe Burrow, his knee got absolutely blown to bits last year. He says that he might return for the beginning of the season this year. So if Joe Burrow's running out there week one, you need to make sure that you have a top five caliber, top, you know, first round offensive lineman. And you can say, hey, Joe, like you're coming off this knee injury, but we got this 320 pound offensive tackle, however big he is. Offensive tackle out there to protect you, because we're concerned about you being the future quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. So as much as I love Kyle Pitts, I think that at five, you're Cincinnati. You have to take Panay Sewell here. You have to go with an offensive lineman. You have to protect Joe Burrow because how is Joe Burrow going to complete passes to Kyle Pitts? If he's getting sacked every other time he drops back or getting hit every other time he drops back, you have to keep him standing. You have to keep him healthy or else Kyle Pitts is, is useless. He's useless. If you don't have the guy to get him the ball. So, I'm going to go Panay Sewell for Cincinnati here. You've got to start building that offensive line and protecting Joe Burrow. He's already suffered a major injury one year into his career. Can't let it happen again.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with this. And and this has been, I think, the 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 offensive line pick has been the pick for everybody in the mock draft season. Up until a couple weeks ago when all of a sudden it was like, Maybe they'll go with a pass catcher of some sort, whether it's Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. Um, and, and look, I've heard a lot of conversation about their tackles and, you know, with Jonah Williams and Riley Reef and saying those guys are serviceable tackles. They really need help at the guard position, which you're not going to take in the first round. I, I would just simply say, yes, those guys are, are, are good. I, I don't think they're great. If you can get a great tackle, I think you have to get a great tackle. Secondly, Riley Reef is good for 2021, but is he the long-term solution at tackle? And and look, I think Jonah will, you know, when Jonah Williams was drafted out of Alabama, I thought there was a lot of conversation about whether he should be a right, right tackle anyway. Um, I, I think ideally you put Sewell at left tackle, move Jonah Williams over to right tackle. And again, you you have a little bit of flexibility because of the two guys you currently have on the roster of how you're going to approach 2021. But You know, this thing is obviously bigger than just one season. So I think you're looking for for somebody to protect Joe Burrow's backside for a decade, not just one year. So I I, I completely agree. To say that those guys are serviceable, is completely ridiculous because they're terrible.
1: The line is bad, and they do need interior help. Yeah. But if you can get an all-pro caliber tackle, which at this point we know that those two tackles in Cincinnati are not all-pro caliber. Yeah. Jonah Williams is the only one that PFF graded uh, with a 70 pass blocking grade or higher. Yeah. So, like, it's across the board. They're, well, yeah, they brought best. in Riley
0: Reeve from Minnesota, so he wasn't there last year. Gotcha. Yeah. But, yeah you're right. You're right. Yeah. But again, I, I don't think he's a long term fix. And you, no. n- you need a cornerstone at tackle, or cornerstones, I should say, What when you took Joe Which Burrow is, number one.
1: I, and I, I think I said this last week. I wouldn't be completely shocked if Cincinnati traded back here because. They could get if they really view their tackles as okay, as serviceable for now, and they really need help in, on the interior side. They can move back to the middle of the round and say trade with New England and let New England come up to five or something. Especially if Trey Lance is on the board or Justin Fields is on the board and get those guys. But I I, I just think it's completely ridiculous to think that they should go with a receiver here.
0: I mean, yeah, agreed.
1: Kyle Pitts is more of an argument, but to go with Jamar Chase, I think is completely short-sighted.
0: Yeah, agree. All right, the Miami Dolphins are on the clock. Uh, I didn't think I was going to be faced with the, uh, the Kyle Pitts-Jamar Chase dilemma here at number 6 because I think Kyle Pitts is the better player. I think he's the safer pick. Um, it's not really what I would say is a need for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, they have a, a more than serviceable tight end in, in Um They don't really... I don't think they have a guy that's anywhere near the caliber of Jamar Chase in that receiving core. Uh, do they have guys that, that maybe do what Jamar Chase does on a, on a lower level? Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say, but Jamar Chase, I think is an elite prospect. And, you know, when you talk to anybody about what Tua needs, it's somebody that's going to take the top off a of defense. So Jamar Chase, I think makes a ton of sense from that standpoint, but, Look, they, they, they've they been in that AFC East for a long time. They were certainly getting waxed by the, the New England Patriots, uh, and they're two tight end set up for a long time. I just think it's, you know, he's out of Florida. He's close to home. Uh, I, I think he's just such a talent. He's too good to pass up. So while maybe my mind says that Jamar Chase might be the better fit, I still think Kyle Pitts is just too good. Um and you can figure out how to work he and Gasecki together, and and create mismatches. So Kyle Pitts going to the Miami Dolphins at number six.
1: I, I think that, I, I think that's the the right pick. Uh, bringing in Will Fuller, I don't, I I don't know if you mentioned this, but bringing in Will Fuller kind of helps that receiver core a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Devonte Parker showed signs of being a really good receiver last year, so I don't think that those outside positions are necessarily as big of a need as they were. Two or three months ago, so yeah, if you could get the second best player in this draft, and and look, Kyle Pitts, he we call him a tight end, but he's basically like a six-five receiver. Like, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing that any of the receivers on that team can do that he can't do. Yeah, he's just you know bigger, two hundred forty-five uh,
0: pounds and runs a four-four.
1: Yeah, so he's going to be used in so many scenarios. It's going to allow that Miami coaching staff to just be free with him they can do whatever they want with him he can be I mean they, they're they basically going to get a Travis Kelsey yeah to add to that roster so and I think that a tight end is for the way that Tua plays quarterback I think having a tight end like Kyle Pitts is gonna just make life so much easier for Tua who is not he's not you know Patrick Mahomes or Justin Fields or Zach Wilson he doesn't have that cannon arm he relies right. a lot more on the short to intermediate passing game so yeah great pick Seven here though with Detroit. I think this is arguably the toughest pick, in my opinion, in the first round. Because Agreed. I-, I think so it's, bad. it's
0: it's uh there there are a couple spots, like I said at the beginning of this, where I think like it could go so many directions. But yeah, this is uh this is a really interesting one.
1: I think there's Detroit's so bad. I think that we I think more than likely they're probably gonna have the number one pick next year. So I'm definitely not – there's no quarterbacks on the board. Mac Jones is not worth taking at seven here. So quarterback is off the board for me at Detroit. They're just going to have to ride with Jared Goff for at least one season. But every other position is so bad. Like TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift are like the only two players on that offense that I look at and say, okay, they're fine with those guys for the next year. Their defense is bad. Their offensive line is bad. But – with the guys that are on the board right now, I'm going to go. It has to be a receiver. Their receivers right now on their roster, they lost Kenny Galladay. They lost Marvin Jones. Their their roster, their depth chart right now to receiver, Rashad Perriman, Tyro Williams, Quintez Cephas, Victor Bolden Jr. T- absolutely terrible. Worst receiving core in the NFL, without a doubt. So with the seventh pick, I think they'll be ecstatic if this guy is on the board at this point they need a guy that could be their number one day like day one. They need a number one receiver. And I think Jamar chase, despite opting out last year, we saw enough from him in twenty twenty nineteen, 2019. And just, you know, physically he's just, it's all there and he can do everything as a receiver. I'm going to go Jamar chase at seven. Again, a hundred percent Think If Jamar chase is there for Detroit, they're going to be ecstatic. They need somebody that Jared Goff can throw to.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, that's, that's who I would give them as well in that spot. Uh, I mean, you lose Kenny Galladay, and wow, you just read the list. And in a passing league, those are your pass catchers. They, Kenny Galladay
1: only played five games last year, but he was by far their best receiver. Marvin Jones has gone their leading receiver. Danny amendola is gone. He was their third leading receiver behind TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. Quintes Cephas had 20 catches for 349 yards. He's their leading receiver returning.
0: Yeah, it's...
1: <laughs> They're bad. They they might go 0-16 again. They are going to be so bad.
0: Yeah, I, I was trying to think of where else I might go, uh, but, I mean, it's, you know, again, when you consider the the defensive players in this draft, um, like maybe a Micah Parsons there, but... Yeah, I, I mean, you can make an argument for Slater
1: possibly because I do need offensive line help, but... Yeah. We've talked about it before. You can get offensive linemen in this draft in the second round and in the third round. You just, I think this is a situation where they just need to take best available because they're so, they have so many holes all across the, the board that taking the best available here I think is probably the way to go. Yeah.
0: All right, which uh, takes us to number eight. And uh, this is another interesting pick. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really torn here because... The Carolina Panthers, I think, again, this was one of those, like, they're ju- they're just going to go get a quarterback, whichever guy, you know, the best available, until they acquired Sam Darnold. And now it's like, do you go offensive line? Because they need offensive line help. I, I think that uh, they could use... A couple of defensive spots as well. I think uh, linebacker could be one of those. I think they could use another corner. Uh, So there are several players at play here. Um, For me, this comes down to, I think in this scenario, it comes down to two guys, and it's Rashawn Slater, uh, simply because, not that their offensive line was terrible last year, but it's just kind of middle of the road. Um, Rashawn Slater, you know, again, people talk about the versatility, tackle, guard, um, you know, all pro potential uh, from Rashawn Slater, or, you know, like Carolina for a decade, Aaron, was kind of built on Luke Keekley playing that middle linebacker spot and being the centerpiece of that defense. And while I, I, I do like a bunch of their defensive pieces, I think that's a spot that they could still uh, upgrade. And if you got a guy like Micah Parsons in the middle, then, you know, maybe it all comes back together for Carolina. And once again, defensively, they're they're really good. But I think if you're going to – Make the move to get a guy like Sam Darnold. Uh, you've got to get an offensive lineman. And, you know, again, when you talk about the versatility and where he can fit, uh, you can do so much with Rashawn Slater based on the other players you have around him. He could play left, t- left tackle. If if uh, you need to move him inside to guard immediately, he can do that. Uh, and maybe he becomes, a, you know, it, again, there's just so much versatility. I think versatility in the NFL today is is – critical. I mean, we see different looks from everybody and to have players that can adjust and and do different things, depending on your personnel and your injury situation. uh, I just think that's so valuable. So I think I I was prepared to go Micah Parsons, but I think I've talked myself uh, into, into Rashawn Slater here at number eight to the Carolina Panthers. I,
1: I, yeah, I think this is probably the move. I think that their weapons on offense, they're pretty set. Um, Again, you brought in Darnold, like you said. You kind of want to get him in, a, in the best situation possible. I, yeah, I, I agree. I think that there is an argument with Micah Parsons, and they need a linebacker. Um, they, they nailed their their pick last year with the um, his name slipping my mind. The defensive tackle Derek from Brown Auburn, Derek Brown. Yeah. Derek Brown. Yeah, he was very good for them last year,
0: so that that's a big boost for them. Um, Doesn't Micah Parsons just kind of seem like a uh... Um, head coach, what's Matt Rule? Doesn't Micah Parsons kind of seem like a Matt Rule kind of guy? I could see that. Yeah, I kind of just, uh,
1: yeah, I could see that. I I, I don't know how to explain it verbally, like, but I I understand what you're saying. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It kind of just makes sense. I was totally, like um, I said,
0: I was totally prepared to go Micah Parsons there, but I think when I started well, talking I'm, about the offensive line and and like looking their tackle situation is Greg Little and Taylor Moton. Uh, the guards right now, I think, on their depth chart, Dennis Daly and Pat Elfline. Like Rashawn Slater starting somewhere. You I mean, if you want him at guard, you can put him at guard if you want to upgrade the tackle, you can.
1: Yeah. It's yeah, I think that I, I think that Slater's the right pick here. Um it, it's the NFL in twenty twenty one too. If you can have a top ten offense, you probably would you probably take that over the potential of having you know, a, a slightly better defense, which Michael Parsons is going to add. Their defense just has so many holes that Michael Parsons, I don't think, is going to be the make or break of them being one of the elite defenses. Um, I am glad you took Slater, though, because that makes my pick at nine uh, a little bit easier. Uh, Denver, they need a quarterback. I think that, you know, that front office was probably going to make an argument that Drew Locke has, has, has shown signs that they want to give him a little bit more time. And with the top four being off the board, takes quarterback out of the argument for me, much like Detroit. So I'm looking at the defensive side of the ball for sure. I'm looking at linebacker and cornerback. And the fact that they brought in Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby makes it a little bit easier for me to take this pick. Because they were 25th-ranked rush defense last year. They need to sure that up a little bit. They do play in a a division in the AFC West where – there's not really much of a run game going on outside of Oakland, so I don't think it's a huge need. I think you know, being a better pass defense is a little bit more important, but like I said they they made some additions of free agency for that. so I'm gonna go Micah Parsons here at nine. I think that if Denver can get the top rated defensive player on a lot of big boards off at nine, they'll be super stoked about that. Um, the middle I mean their middle their linebackers are terrible i mean they're you're looking at. Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson inside of Von Miller and Bradley Chubb like that's not yeah that's not a winning pair so if you could get uh Parsons in there and uh to play that linebacker position I think I think you got to be you got to be pretty pretty happy about that he's good enough that he could play you know he could be super versatile if they down the road switch yeah. to a four three I think he can easily switch to you know uh, the mic or play on the outside of a four three as well as playing inside on a three, four.
0: Yeah, he's, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's, he's, he can do everything. I mean, that's, that's the, I think intrigue of, of Micah Parsons is he's a do it all linebacker. Um, I I've seen a lot of comps to like what Devin white brings to Tampa.
1: I can see and, that. Yeah, yeah. He looks so, very similar.
0: Yeah. Uh, great pick. I'm, I, I'm a Micah Parsons fan. I think he's kind of being a little bit slept on in this draft. All right, the uh, the Dallas Cowboys-America's team on the clock at 10. So I was I was really getting prepared for what the worst-case scenario was going to be. And look, at this point, I'm not even considering Kyle Pitts as an option at 10. We talked about this about a month ago, and I said I thought there was a chance, not that it was a good chance, but a chance that Pitts got to 10. I don't think there's a chance that Pitts is available at 10. Um, so I think the the three guys that are really in play for Dallas here are Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater, and Patrick Sertan II. And if all three of those guys are gone, I think Dallas is in a really interesting situation. I know cornerback is such a big need. A lot of people just kind of feel like they go to the next best cornerback, with this, which is J.C. Horn. Um, the, the, the interesting part about the J.C. Horn pick to me would be he's a press corner, and, and historically, Dan Quinn likes to play a lot of, of you know uh, cover three with his corner. So like from a scheme standpoint, it doesn't seem like J. J. C. Horn would be the ideal fit for what Dan Quinn does defensively. But, um, you know, again, the league evolves and you're not just going to play the same defense over and over and over forever. Or at least you, you hope that you wouldn't, you would, you would need to adjust. Uh, and I don't know, maybe, maybe that will be the make or break of, of whether Dallas, uh, fixes their defense. Um, let me ask you this before I make the pick though. Because I I saw this thrown out yesterday. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, I think, is one of the most interesting prospects in this draft. And it's really hard for me to figure out a good fit for him uh, in this first round. I I think he's a great player. But in terms of figuring out where he fits, I saw somebody say that he is a Deion Jones-type linebacker. Obviously, Dan Quinn had Deion Quinn in Atlanta. And... J O K. If if they view him as that kind of guy, I wonder if if he could be somebody that that Dallas would find interesting.
1: Yeah, I I I know Dan Quinn didn't, wasn't with him, but I mentioned uh, he like a Buddha Baker. Yeah, he's that Buddha Baker, like Deion Jones type of you know hybrid linebacker. Um. Okay, so here's okay. Let me ask you this. So ideally, if you're Dallas, you want to have. Vander Esch and uh, Jalen Smith on the field at the same time, right? Yeah. So, are you? So does that mean that you're playing Awusa uh, Koromoa as kind of like a a nickel back in some situations? Yeah. I don't know. That I mean, I, I I like his I like what he could do athletically, but I, I mean that might be a big ask if you're playing him, asking him to cover receivers in the slot sometimes, like more or consistently. Tight ends. Or tight ends, yeah.
0: But here's here's the other thing you have to consider: both of those, like especially with Van der Esch, he's had injury issues, so it's not a guarantee that he's going to be out there for 16 games. No, you. But you want you you're right. you're drafting assuming that they're going to stay healthy. Right. But you also have to have depth, and and you know he's been hurt a lot. And here's the other thing: neither one of those guys, all, when they were on the field last year, played well. So, but drafting Coromoa isn't going to add
1: depth to those positions because he can't move inside in you know, and fill that spot for a Jalen Smith or a Van Der Esch.
0: Yeah, I I don't think he's a middle linebacker, but he's definitely not. I I I think he he could play. I think he could play the will. He
1: could definitely. I think he definitely could. It it gives him flexibility for sure. And Dan Quinn, like you said, has a history of playing this, that hybrid box safety linebacker position very well with Deion Jones. I think it would be a, I think it would be a, pretty ballsy pick to take him at 10 though.
0: Yeah. I don't think they would take him at 10, but it, you know, if, if uh, all the guys that they like are gone and maybe they trade down to like 15, you know, that's been talked about a lot. If, if new England were to move up to get one of the quarterbacks that might still be on the board at that point, I don't know. I think it's an interesting conversation and, and, you know, seeing the Dion Jones comps with JOK just kind of got me thinking like Dan Quinn, loved Dion Jones. Dion Jones has been terrific in Atlanta. Good, when he's been yeah. on the football field. So, um, yeah, just kind of got the wheels turning. But, look, the pick here for Dallas, um, again, I thought there were three players that really stand out that just seemed kind of obvious. I think it's whichever offensive lineman you prefer, uh, whether it's Sewell or Slater, um, it, that's, your, that's your top option, in my opinion. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, the rest of the draft might need to be dedicated to the defense uh, unless you just somewhere along the way get a steal Uh, as far as an offensive player, but uh, Patrick Sertan, the second out of Alabama is the pick to the Dallas Cowboys.
1: Yeah. It kind of seems like at this point, he's established himself as the number, the top cornerback. Um, I know that we did our position rankings last week and I had Farley one, but I mean, teams are being scared off by his injury stuff. Right. So yeah, I think that Sertan is probably the pick here for Dallas. I agree. Um, Maybe they're going to have a conversation about J.C. Horn, but I, I just – I think that Sertan is a little bit more well-rounded as a cornerback that he's going to – he's he's the better and safer pick at 10 for Dallas yeah. who – I mean, they, they need a number one cornerback. They need a, a shutdown guy that can guard anybody, and I think that Sertan's that guy. Um, so, yeah, I think that's I think that's a good pick. It's probably not the sexiest pick that a lot – that some Cowboys fans would want. They I mean – I, I, I know a lot of them probably hoping Kyle Pitt, including yourself, hoping Kyle Pitts would fall there. But yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. All right. Giants up at 11. Um, this, this is also a bit of a tough pick. So some people will say that they need an edge rusher, but I just don't think that they're that desperate on the edge. Uh, they were 12th in the league in sacks last year and 13th in sack percentage. So... I, I just I, I don't look at their defense and say they need a pass rusher desperately. Um, you know, what they had last year, especially Leonard Williams was really good last year. Dexter Lawrence was fine. Like I, I think they're okay uh, as far as getting to the quarterback right now. I think with the receivers that are on the board right now, as much as I don't view receiver as a desperate need for this team, I think Darius Slayton is is good. They brought in Kenny Galladay. Sterling Shepard's probably got one or two good years left, uh, uh, you know, playing his role. They brought in Dante Pettis. I just I can't pass up what's on there. I think if Jalen Waddle is on the board at eleven, I think this is a situation where you go best available. There's not an offensive lineman that I absolutely love here, and I they they did improve. Like their offensive line a couple of years ago was absolutely atrocious, but. Uh, I'm looking at PFF's rankings right now at the end of the season and they had the Giants. 31. 31. They were terrible. Okay. Yeah. I was too high. I was at 30 and I was like, they can't be. And certainly they weren't worse. So, okay. So they, they were bad. All right. So I guess there's an argument that uh, to go with Christian Derrishaw here or um, Elijah Vera Tucker, but I'm going to go best available. I'm going to go Jalen Waddle here. Um, it's the NFL in 2021. You yep. need weapons. You need depth. Especially, look, there's there, – okay, I just talked myself into t- drafting a receiver here. How many games last year did the Giants play with their entire receiving core healthy? Right. One. They had one game. Daniel Jones played one game in his entire career, I believe, up to this point, where he had all of his starting receivers healthy. They need they need more depth at that position. I'm going Jalen Waddle. I I'm done on Evan Ingram. Can't trust him. So let's get another weapon in there. Yeah, Jalen Waddle is the pick for me here. Let's go best available on the board and get Daniel Jones as much help as he possibly can at the position at the weapons positions.
0: Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are leaning receiver here for the Giants and and mostly because like you said earlier, Kenny Galladay comes over. He's a great target and a big time weapon. But he played five games last year. Um, you know, Sterling Shepard, again, we, we love Sterling Shepard, great player. He's also had some injury issues and, you know, he's, he's been around for a while. I think, uh, if you get, again, you get a player that's as versatile as Jalen Waddle is the different ways that you can use him. Um, I, I think this is a great pick. I also liked the idea of, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker here for the giants as well. I mean, we just, you know, number 31, as far as PFF goes on, on the, uh, the O line. So, I would have liked either of those picks, I think, for, for the Giants in that situation. But, yeah, I, I don't think you could have gone wrong with Waddle or AVT. Yeah, if the interior
1: offensive line position wasn't so deep, like, in the middle of the draft, yeah, I think, and, and we talked about it, like, Vera Tucker could play outside or inside. Um, I think he probably plays inside on most teams. So, if they're looking on the inside of that line, I think they could probably wait until yeah. you know the top of the second round and get you know a Creed Humphrey or whoever it might be. Yeah.
0: And again, I, I talked about this with the Slater pick. I, I love versatility, and when you get a guy that that potentially can fit as a tackle or a guard uh, in today's NFL, like you have one injury and that potentially disrupts your entire line. Um, you know, you're only as good as your weakest link on the offensive line. So one injury potentially makes the whole thing collapse. When you have a guy that you can slot into a guard or a tackle position, I, I, that's just so valuable. It's true. So Very true. Um, all right, so Waddle is the pick. I like that pick. Uh, let's go to the Philadelphia Eagles at 12. This is a really easy one for me, although I would say I considered if all three of the the top three receivers were gone, maybe J.C. Horn being the pick here. I just think like he, he just seems like he would be a good fit for Philly um, with his – tough mentality, uh, physicality that he plays with, but I, look, I, I think that they were going receiver when they were at 6, so to move down to 12 and still have Devontae Smith on the board, it just it, and and it just seems like the pick, right? Like, when you think about the the Philadelphia receivers that they've had in the past, like Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin, and then they even took Jalen Rager a year ago, like Devontae Smith is the kind of guy that they have loved forever. Uh, he's a guy that Again, takes the top off the defense and just a big-time playmaker. Um, I, I'm not sold that Jalen Hurts is the long-term solution, but they do need playmakers regardless of, of who's back there. So Devontae Smith is the pick at 12 to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. It's
1: pretty incredible how, I mean, they're just a few years removed from a Super Bowl, and I look at their roster right now, and I think they're one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. Like their defense their front seven on defense, especially their defensive line. They're Fletcher Cox and, and, um, and Graham, they're good, but like they're aging and I just man, they're tough. Like they don't have a lot of good players across the board. So I think that yeah, I think taking the best available here is a good choice. And especially they need weapons. Um, you know, more more than likely Zach Ertz is out of there. Um is is Jeffrey still there or did he is, is he gone? Oh, Either a good way, question. he doesn't play. Yeah, he doesn't sure. play regardless. Um, so at the end of the day, Alshon Jeffrey being there. So right now gone. they're he's gone. So they've yeah. got Travis Fulgham, who showed signs last year of being good, but really tapered off as the season went on. Jalen Rager and Greg Warder, their three top receivers. Which
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean they might have the smallest receiving core in NFL history. Yeah, you know, post-1960. and Devontae Smith isn't going to help that, but yeah. Right, that's what I'm saying. If they add yeah. Devontae Smith, but yeah, I, I think that's the pick here. I think their offensive of line is still good enough as and serviceable enough that they don't need to take a lineman here. And I, yeah, I think that I think that I think that's the right pick. So man, we're 12 picks through, and we've had three receivers and four quarterbacks taken out of the top 12 picks. Yeah. It's crazy. All right, 13's easy for me. Uh, I think the Chargers have a good roster. Um, I you know I know the Chargers have a good roster. I think they've got you know great playmakers on both sides of the ball. For whatever reason, man, and this has been an ongoing thing for years and years. The Chargers have the worst luck potentially in all of sports, definitely in the NFL. How many games have they lost in the last second, or you know by one score or whatever it might be? Over the, really since Philip Rivers got there, and it and it continued into the last year. But we all know they have their quarterback. They've got weapons. They've got Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen. They've got Mike Williams. Like they've, they're set on the weapons side. Defense, if the defense stays healthy, they're good. I think there's an argument that they need another edge rusher on the other side of Joey Bosa uh, to complement where Melvin Ingram has gone from. But their offensive line was the worst offensive line in the league last year. They have to get some offensive line help. So I think this is an easy pick for me. I said that, but now I'm starting to debate which oh, line I want to
0: take. Okay. I think uh, our next two picks are going to be like my next pick is dependent on which guy I think you take here. So
1: I, I think you got to go Christian Darasaw here. Um, Absolutely. I, again, we talked about the flexibility of. Vera Tucker, what he offers, but Darisol did not allow a single sack or a hit uh, last season. He only allowed six pressures over the entire year, and that's in the ACC. And there are teams in the ACC that have good pass rushers. Uh, we talked about the kid out of NC State. The defensive tackle was a great pass rusher on the interior. Clemson stacked on their, on their defensive line. Miami's got two edge rushers that are potential first-round picks, so he faced top-level competition in the ACC and did not allow a single sack or a hit in that offense they did run the ball a lot which you could argue is why he did not allow any pressures but i don't care they need help on the outside especially on the left side they've got blog on the right i think derisaw yep. is the pick here um the more i more i think about it, i think it's a little bit easier than what i said a few seconds ago yeah
0: i i completely agree i think that's for me at least the no-brainer pick i think he's a uh, He's a starting left tackle and you have a a quarterback that shows signs of being, you know, an all pro caliber quarterback in the NFL and you have the worst offensive line in the NFL and specifically your biggest hole on the worst offensive line in the NFL is the most important position on the offensive line, which is the left tackle position. It makes too much sense. I love AVT's versatility, but yeah, Derisaw for me at least I, I think makes more sense here.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, Darisol. Yeah. I I think if I think if LA gets Darisol at thirteen, though they gotta be super happy about that. Because like I just said, they don't really have many needs on that team. Right. As far as like they're just if there's a glaring need. They it's a lot of depth and maybe just adding like, you know, a second guy, like a second edge rusher or a second cornerback or something like that. Yeah, I
0: agree. All right. Um the Minnesota Vikings are on the clock. Uh, this is also one of those spots. We talked about this with the Lions uh, at number seven. I, there are so many ways that I think Minnesota could could go with this thing. Um, again, a team that's like not terrible but not great either, and you kind of just look on both sides of the football, and there are a lot of places where they could upgrade. But I, I think ultimately the top two needs are offensive tackle and offensive guard. I mean, I think they just need offensive line help. They uh, they let go of Riley Reif, uh this off season. wasn't it Riley Reef that was their left left tackle I believe that was, that's I believe right. so yeah they let him go I think um, what's his name uh, Ezra Cleveland is going to move from guard to left tackle or at least that's the plan as of now uh, which either way you have a you have a hole at tackle or guard uh, whichever way you want to go with it and you know I talked about a guy that I'm I'm really impressed with and again a guy that that gives you versatility. Uh, so for me, if your offensive line positions, tackle and guard are the two biggest needs, and there's a guy that potentially can fill multiple roles, Elijah Vera Tucker. Off, I'm just going to call him offensive lineman out of USC as the pick to the Vikings at 14.
1: Uh, for whatever reason, man, the Minnesota just cannot get that offensive line right. They've drafted a lot of offensive linemen over the past you know, yeah. five to 10 years. And much like... L.A., I think they have a pretty damn good roster. I think, that especially offensively, they've got weapons. feel how you will about Kirk Cousins, but Justin Jefferson's a stud. Dalvin Cook's good. Their defense has really good players, uh, I, especially in the front seven. I think their front seven is superb. Yeah. But for whatever reason, yeah, they just they can't get their, their offensive line right. And uh, if they could get a guy that we've mentioned numerous times in the past five minutes, it's so versatile – that if they need help outside or inside, yeah, I think that, I think it's an easy pick for them. Um, I think that there might be an argument to take one of the cornerbacks there. Um, but either way, I, I think that Vera Tucker. I agree. I think it's yeah. probably probably a good pick.
0: <sighs> All right, the uh, New England Patriots are on the clock at pick number fifteen. This is okay. I'm
1: having this is another one. I'm having a little bit of trouble with. Yeah. Because, so look at with the board the way it's played out in our mock draft, it's hard to look at Mac Jones there at 15 and think that New England wouldn't take Mac Jones at 15. But I I'm thinking about it and I'm looking at their roster, and here's here's my debate right now. So their second pick is at 46. I'm trying to decide if I think that Kyle Trask would be there at 46 because I don't it, it, I don't know that Mac Jones is going to offer you so much more at quarterback than what Kyle Trask would offer you especially with whatever, you know, and Josh McDaniels is a good offensive coordinator. I think he could figure it out, but they New England has other needs. I think that they are desperate at receiver and I think that there's plenty of good receiver talent here at 15 that I could justify taking maybe a Rashad Bateman here at 15 or a Terrace Marshall or somebody like that. Maybe uh, an Elijah Moore, whoever, whoever you want to pick here at the receiver position. But I think, I think, I think in real life, in the real draft, New England's going to maneuver and make some trades. But if we're not doing trades here, I think that waiting for Kyle Trask at 46 is a tough ask, especially with Detroit at 41, who took a receiver at seven. Uh, Philadelphia at 37, they don't really have a backup quarterback. They Maybe they go Kyle Trask, Atlanta at 35. They picked a quarterback in our draft, but they may go Kyle Pitts at four. Um, the Broncos Denver, at 40, yeah. could, Denver at 40 could take a quarterback. So I I just, I think it's too much of a risk. They desperately need a quarterback. Cam Newton was terrible last year, especially after, you know, he was good the first couple of weeks, but after that, he was terrible the last three, two to three months of the season. I think they got to go Mac Jones. I think that Jared Siddham's not the answer. Cam's not the answer. If Mac Jones is there at 15, I think that they just, they have to go Mac Jones. They need a quarterback.
0: Yeah, I agree. If nobody trades up, um, I mean, this is the, this is in the conversation for New England trading into the top ten to get Mac Jones, so I think if he's there at fifteen, it just seems uh, very obvious. I I think we view maybe Mac Jones a little bit differently because I, in my opinion, there is a significant difference from Mac Jones to Kyle Trask. I feel like that drop is pretty drastic. Um, not not necessarily because of like the skill set. I mean, they're similar quarterbacks from a skill set standpoint. Neither one of those guys are, you know, mobile get outside the pocket type guys, but. I think as far as what you're asking from them, Mac Jones just does what he does at a way higher level than Kyle Trask. So to me, like, I, I, I wouldn't even entertain like the thought of, do I want Mac Jones here or maybe Kyle Trask in the second? I, just, I think that Mac Jones is miles ahead. So yeah, that, that would be a, yeah. a, an easy one for me. And then look, you mentioned the receiver position. I mean, I, I like Rashad Bateman a lot, but um, if, if receiver is something that they really need, I mean, 44 is not too long to wait to still. I mean, there are so you many good receiver, receivers in yeah, this class. I just think that that's way easier to manage.
1: And they signed Hunter Henry and John smith in free agency. So, I mean, they're going to run a lot of heavy formations. And they're going to throw to the tight ends a lot. I mean, Belichick has a history of having yeah. two tight ends and loving to you know work those tight ends in the offense. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, at 46, I mean, there's going to be a slew of receivers still there. Right.
0: All right, Mac Jones, 15 to the Patriots, which takes us to the Arizona Cardinals, uh, who probably had my favorite offseason of any team in the NFL. They bring over J.J. Watt. Uh, they added who? A.J. Green. Who else did they get this offseason? Malcolm Butler. Um, popular landing spot for NFL veterans. As, uh, I, you know, I said last year, I thought that they were the most entertaining team in the NFL. Uh, every single week, it just seemed like they were in nail biters. Um, I, I think for me, you look at, at one of the cornerstones for them for a long time being Patrick Peterson. It's a passing league, and I think there are really quality corners here. And, and if you're just going best available, I think corner here also might be uh, the answer. So you, Patrick Peterson was a perennial Pro Bowl caliber corner um, I, I think a guy that is maybe Patrick Peterson light somewhat is JC Horn. I like the fit of, of what JC Horn would bring to that defense. So JC Horn, South Carolina cornerback to the Arizona Cardinals.
1: Yeah, I need to replace uh Patrick Peterson, like you said. Um the roster shaping up. You know, they're they're looking to be really good. They're in a tough division, obviously, but um, especially with Matt Stafford going to LA, it's only gonna make that that division even tougher. But I don't really look at a lot of positions of desperate need for them, honestly. Right. I think, like you said, cornerback and maybe like the interior defense of the defensive line could use some help. But yeah, good pick. Uh, Vegas is a team that I don't I don't know where to go with this. So I'm looking at the board and uh uh. Petty, Pity, Pity, Petty. Petty, Petty, Petty uh, Quiddy Pay. Quitty Pay. Yeah, I was mixing his first and last name together. Quiddy pay still there. All of the edge rushers yeah. are still there. They signed Yannick and in the offseason, though, which should help their 30th ranked pasty uh, sacks per game uh, you know, ability to get to the quarterback. They were terrible at getting the quarterback last year. They have been for for a while now. Their defense needs help. So that makes it a little tough for me on um, where I'm going to go here. I I think though that I, I think that you can never have too much depth at the edge rushing position. I I'm going to go quitty Pay if he's still on the board for Vegas. Who I don't know if Yannick Ngakwe is enough to get them where they need to be to get to the quarterback, especially in that division with you know Patrick Mahomes. We saw what what you can do to Patrick Mahomes in that offense if you can get to him in the Super Bowl. Like yeah. again, their tackles were out in Kansas City, so that played a part, but you they are beatable if you can get to the quarterback that Kansas City team is beatable if they want to win this division and compete and get to the playoffs they need all the pass rushing they can get i'm going to go quitty pay here
0: i like that pick and look i think just in terms of like what the raiders seem to value with Gruden and and uh Mike Mayock like quitty pay physically matches everything they like right like he's just Big and strong and fast and like physical, yeah. Physical and yeah. I think he just. It's. I think they love. It. I. I would be shocked if, the draft like rolled around and then it came out like, yeah, we considered Quitty Pay. I'm not saying he's the pick, but if it just came out like we didn't really like him, like I don't know, he just seems like a Raider guy. Um, I think there are other ways they could go here, but I. I this, they do need- This makes a lot of sense. They need offensive line help, but I just don't. I think it's a little too early to
1: draft a guy like uh, Tevin Jenkins or Walker Little, or I, I think those outside guys. It's a little too early to draft them in the middle of the first round. Maybe Oakland trades back into the mid twenties and gets yeah. one of those tackles. I think the the interior of the offensive line you can wait on at this point uh, into the second and third rounds. Uh, the Mori kid out of TCU was. I was debating him right here. Um, because, I mean, Jonathan Abrams kind of—he hasn't really been much. Is what he's—he's I mean, he's kind of like a one-trick pony. I think he's kind of just a wild guy that's just going to go in there and fly in to get some tackles. Yeah. They brought in Carl Joseph, so bringing Carl Joseph kind of makes it a little bit easier not to take a safety here. So, I, I think adding that pass rushing depth to a front seven that's getting better is—I I think that's—I think that's a pick.
0: I like that pick. I like that pick a lot for the Raiders. Uh, and like I said, I think Quitty Pay just seems like the kind of guy that they would love. So, all right, the Miami Dolphins are on the clock at number 18. Uh, we had them, or at least I took Kyle Pitts at number six here. So, I, I think the two positions that make the most sense to me at 18 are either taking another offensive lineman. Obviously, they took Austin Jackson a year ago. I, I don't know if... Uh, that is like something that they they love or hate at this point. It might be too early really to even pass judgment on the Austin Jackson pick a year ago. But uh, I think they could use another tackle. Um, I, I think the best available tackle here is probably a guy that is considered a right tackle anyway, so that makes a lot of sense. Or I think they could go edge rush um, when you look at their their needs. I think it's offensive and defensive line. Um, I, I think that maybe. A guy like Jalen Phillips here just makes a ton of sense. Um, again, local guy, University of Miami, staying at home with the Miami Dolphins. He has a skill set that I think would would fit really well with the Dolphins. So, give me Jalen Phillips, edge rush, Miami to the Miami Dolphins at eighteen. I was, I was, uh. I was prepared to take Quiddy Pay there by the way before you you took him to 17.
1: There we go. A little bit of a, a little bit of a run, two in a row, we'll call that a run on uh, some edge rushers when we I mean we went was the last NFL draft that went 16 picks before
0: the first edge rusher was taken. I know, right? Like it's it's a premium position. It's crazy that you can get halfway through the first round without taking a premium position in the NFL. It's crazy. All right, moving on to the football team, who I, I, I'm
1: looking at their needs, uh, at least what other people view as their needs. They need an offensive tackle, but they had the sixth best offensive line, according to PFF, last year. So I don't view their offensive line as a desperate need right now in the first round. Their defense was amazing. I mean, their defense, albeit it was a 7-9 and nine record or whatever, 7-8, and one. I don't know, whatever the record was. They were they didn't finish up 500, but they won the division yeah. regardless. Their defense carried them through the, season and was the only reason they even won the division so I don't look at you know linebacker safety or cornerback like you know people are saying that their needs are as a desperate first round need sure they could improve over Jimmy Moreland or you know Will Jackson the third sure they could improve over uh, Cameron Curl at safety but I look at their receiving core and outside of Terry McLaurin they have nobody Curtis Samuel bringing him in is good but Curtis Samuel's He's not more. He's not a real traditional receiver. At least he's never been used as a traditional receiver yeah. before. He's a, he's more of a gadget guy. He runs the ball a lot. At least he did in Carolina. I'm looking at the board, and I'm looking at Rashad Bateman being here. I'm looking at a guy that is a well-rounded, all, all-around receiver that kind of does it all. He could be a little bit more of a red zone threat over Terry McLaurin. I'm going to go Rashad Bateman here. I think that if you're going to play Ryan Fitzpatrick here, let's get him all the weapons he can. This division this division is not shaping up to be a great division yet again. Um, I don't see the Giants being up there. Philadelphia, we talked about being bad. If Dallas stays healthy, they should be up there competing. But there's no reason Washington can't win the division again with that defense. So let's get them a little bit more weapons on offense. I'm going to go Rashad Bateman here.
0: I like that pick a lot, actually. That's uh, That's like as soon as I looked at the board and Washington and the needs, that was the pick that stood out to me as well. So. Uh, yeah, you got to get weapons. Uh, and, and look, I think Rashad Bateman's skill set is, is a nice compliment to Terry McLaurin on the other side. I agree. So. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You got a burner on one side and a kind of a, a guy that can do it all on the other side. Yeah. They des- I think they desperately need a quarterback. I think that uh, Rivera will probably argue that they think that Heineke could be good. But yeah. at this point, there's no quarterbacks on the board at this point. There's no, right. You can't make an argument for taking Kyle Trask at 19. Agreed.
0: All right, with the twentieth pick, the Chicago Bears are on the clock. Uh, this is another tough one. Um, this was a team that uh, was, I think, way better than probably they actually are last year. Probably shouldn't be picking this low. I look at their roster; I'm not in love with it. Um, their offensive line feels like it it needs help. Uh, but I mean, it was it was again kind of I think average, kind of middle of the road uh, when you look at at their their uh, season grades. Um, defensively, I, I you know, they uh, they lost Kyle Fuller. They could use some help at corner. Uh, so I, I think for me, it probably just, you start to look at the players that are on the board and having multiple needs. I just kind of start leaning toward best player available. And I, I think there are two guys that make a ton of sense here, uh, both playing cornerback. I think Caleb Varley, uh, another Virginia Tech guy, I just mentioned Kyle Fuller. Caleb Farley makes a lot of sense. I actually think as far as Chicago goes, let's just stay home. The Chicago guy, uh, Greg Newsom, I I think would, it, it just seems like such a natural fit when you watch how smooth he was at Northwestern, the way that he plays, I think he would fit really well with the bears defense and what they would ask him to do. So even though I think maybe, you know, we talked about this last week when we did our, our positional rankings, Caleb Farley has the best cornerback film of any player in this draft. Um, I just, I, for me, I, l- I like the fit with Greg Newsom a little bit better uh, in Chicago. So, Greg Newsom to the Chicago Bears.
1: Yeah. I, again, we talked. I, I love Kyle Farley, but Newsom, if he's a better fit with, with Chicago and what they want to do, and if you're worried about Farley's back, I think that with Horn and uh, Sertan off the board, Newsom's a, a great pick there. Um, so Indianapolis, this is not one of their knees by any means. I, I don't look at this position and say they need to improve there because they have one of the best players at that position on their roster right now. But this division a hundred percent goes through Derrick Henry. I mean, at this point right now, you have to contain the running game in Tennessee if you're gonna if you're gonna win the division. I look at this guy on the board here. I don't know that he's still gonna be here. uh uh, next a week from now but he's here at 21 if i'm indianapolis and i can get christian barmore and add him into that interior that defensive line a defensive lineman that's great at the great brushing the passer great stopping the run and if you're going to win this division if you're going to make the playoffs you need to go through tennessee's offense and stop derrick henry load up load up on the inside of that defense in that front seven I'm gonna go Christian Barmore here. They could they could use another receiver um to give to Carson Wentz. They could use another cornerback. And I, I was tempted to go Caleb Farley here, but I don't think yep. cornerback is a desperate need right now on this roster. So let's go best available. This is a team that has the luxury of going best available because they have a really they've constructed a really good deep roster over the past few years. Let's give uh let's give Frank Reich another great defensive interior lineman to pair up with DeForest Buckner. Let's go uh Christian Barmore.
0: I love that pick, and I I considered Barmore at fourteen to the Vikings, and if if uh, or Vera Tucker had either one of those guys, if if they were gone, I think Barmore would have been my pick at fourteen. I also considered Barmore at sixteen for the Cardinals. Um, if J.C. Horn wasn't there, I probably would have taken Barmore. And and look, I think at eighteen with the Dolphins. Um, I considered him in that spot as well. I just felt like Jalen Phillips probably made a bigger impact uh, based on what Miami had. so yeah I've, uh, I, I've considered him three times in this first round already, and I think there are a lot of possible like he's the best interior defensive lineman in this draft. like somebody 100%. is going to say we've got to upgrade the inter- upgrade the interior of the defensive line and and Barmer's going to be I mean he was look at how dominant he was. In the uh, in the national championship game i I know that Clemson's offensive line is is uh nothing to write home about uh but that look that's kind of the the stick with him right it's it's that he is inconsistent in terms of when he shows up so when he shows up though I think it's uh you know he looks like a top ten pick when when he's when he's there and and motivated i think is kind of the way that people describe it
1: yeah a hundred percent and God, you know, I'm not a Texans fan anymore, so I don't care what the Colts do. I, I still don't like them. I still can't stand watching them play, but it's just a luxury of a good roster just being able to get another great player. Yeah.
0: All right, the Tennessee Titans are on the clock at 22. Um, so they lose Corey Davis to the Jets. He's a former top five wide receiver selection uh, and I think probably one of the more underrated players in the entire NFL, uh, especially last year, I, I thought he was, he was terrific. And, and look, I think when you talk about the job that uh, Ryan Tannehill has been asked to do, Corey Davis and AJ Brown and Derek Henry, and just all the weapons he's had around him have really made his job significantly easier. Um, I, I would like to see them get a compliment to AJ Brown but I don't think they need to do it at 22. Again, this is such a deep receiver class. Uh, I, I think they can address that need a little bit later. I, I think for me, there are two picks here that make a lot of sense. Um, edge rush. There's a guy that I really like that would fit with the Titans scheme. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go. I, I talked about the corners a second ago. They, they also need a corner. Uh, and, and with Caleb Farley still on the board, I think it would just be insane to pass up a position of need and a guy that potentially is the most talented player in this draft at his position. So I was very tempted to go Aziz Ojalari here, uh, as, as like an outside linebacker edge rush guy, but I'm going to go Caleb Farley.
1: Okay. That makes my next pick easier because I was debating. I was debating between Farley and, um, one other player. And now that you've taken away one of my options, it's going to make my next pick very easy. By the way, I, lo- I mean, I have said it a hundred times. I love Caleb Farley. I think that if he stays healthy, he's going to be, yeah. he's going to be very good. Yeah. Um. But I'm looking at the New York jets here at 23. They got their quarterback off the board. So that fills a need for sure. The, all the, they only the biggest need, obviously, but I look at their past defense. I look at a team that was 26, a, in yards per pass attempt last year and uh, 29th in total passing yards per game. One of the worst pass defenses in the league. I was looking at Caleb Farley, but I was debating between Farley and uh, Morrig out of TCU. They need, I don't like Marcus May and Ashton Davis at safety. Um, so I know they brought in LaMarcus Joyner, but again, I'm not a big LaMarcus Joyner guy either. So I think that is by is by far the top safety in this class. Kind of a do it all safety. There's nothing that he's really bad. There's nothing he's bad at. He's good at everything. I think if you can get a safety like that in that New York defense, you gotta be pretty happy about that. They yeah. you would they I, I assume that New York views their front seven as a good front seven as somebody that they can rely on. Quinn and Williams took big steps last year. They brought in Carl Lawson. I think that that secondary needs some help. So I'm gonna go with uh with Moore. I out of TCU.
0: I like it. Trayvon Merig, safety Merig, TCU. TCU. Uh, I, I like him, but it's it's like one of those things where I, I don't feel like there's necessarily a weakness, but I don't look that at him and, and say like, man, this, this guy's great either. You know, like it's, I, I think there are safety classes where you see a guy like Derwin James and you're just like wowed or a guy like Jamal Adams and you're just wowed. And look, I, th- I think he's versatile as well. I think he can play multiple safety roles depending on what you want to ask of him. Uh, which I've, I've talked about so much is, as far as the versatility, but I just don't think that he is on the high end just so much better than, and maybe I differ a little bit on this than than some draft people because I, I see Merrick as the solidified number one guy, and while I'm not disputing that he's the number one guy, I just don't think the gap from Merrick to a few other guys in this draft is is that extreme. If you want to tell me that he has more versatility and that's the reason that he's, Absolutely above some of the other guys. Then, then okay. But uh, I, I he's a great he's a terrific player that is going to step in and play for somebody immediately.
1: Where where would you have gone here? Because I, I think that the Jets have quite a few needs uh, on their team. I mean, obviously they had the yeah. number two pick this year. Like they're not a great roster, but
0: so the three players that that for me kind of stand out. And and part of this, I'm not a running back in the first round guy. You know, you and I have had this conversation a lot. Uh, but, uh, like, I look at the Jets and their roster, and I look at how Travis Etienne would f- potentially fit with that team, and I think it would be terrific. I think he would be a – like, you know, some players just don't fit certain teams and certain schemes. I think Travis Etienne would be a home run fit for the New York Jets. So that, Yeah, but they that could get to him me, at 34, couldn't they? P- yeah, potentially. That's that's the good thing, and that's what I was about to bring up. Uh, but you also have that pick to start the second round as well. Uh, so you have to start looking at like you know w- what potentially you could take here and what might still be available at that point. And then for me, it kind of goes down to either like an edge rush guy, where again you know they play that three four. Uh, so a guy like you know I I'm a big fan of Aziz Ojolari um, as an outside linebacker. And just, you know, his ability to get, you have to have guys that can get the quarterback. And Mm -hmm. Aziz Ojalari can go get the quarterback. Uh, So to me, I I think he's uh, a great fit for what the Jets do defensively. And then I think the other one is if you're going to draft a quarterback, you you know, no matter, you can never have too many good offensive linemen. And they have what looks like a star at the left tackle, but they still need right tackle help. Tevin Jenkins here to me seems like it would be another, you know, a, a great selection as well.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of ways you could go here. Yeah, I consider edge rusher as well. Um, But again, at 34, the way that this draft is playing out, there's probably going to be a good edge rusher at 34 as well.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I like that pick, though. Um, I mean, you mentioned it. The Jets' safeties don't really do much for me either, and this is a guy that's going to step in and play immediately, I think, anywhere. So, Trayvon Merrick, the pick to the Jets at 23. All right, the Pittsburgh Steelers on the clock at 24. Um, if you had gone offensive line here, I think I was prepared to take, like, again, I, I just mentioned how much I like Aziz Ojolari. Um, they lose Bud Dupree. I think, you know, playing on the opposite side of TJ Watt, I, I would like a guy like Ojalari potentially. Or, you know, just as, as another edge rush option for Pittsburgh, um, you like I said, it's a it's a premium position. You can never have enough talented edge rushers, but with Tevin Jenkins being available here, um, you know their offense was really dreadful last season. And you know I know early uh, they look good and and they they have some talented players still offensively, but I think if you can just sure up the offensive line even more, um, you have an old quarterback and and they're clearly committed to Ben. Uh, again, going into next year. So, uh, Tevin Jenkins tackle Oklahoma State is the pick here to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay,
1: all right, all right. All right, you're starting to steal my picks. I'm getting frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to go... I was going to go Tevin Jenkins at 25 for Jacksonville. They've got their quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Um, Their interior, their offensive line isn't terrible. Like, they've got... They've got serviceable guys on the inside with Norwell, Norwell, Linder, and Can. Right. Um, but they need they need somebody on the on the outside, especially hell. They either side they need somebody that they can trust better than Juwan Taylor and Cam Robinson. So with Chevin Jenkins off the board, I'm still gonna stick with a tackle. I'm gonna go with a guy. I might this might be a reach here at 25, but. I'm going to go with a tackle that's got plenty of experience. He played a lot in college and he played at a high level. He played in the big 12, super athletic. Um, I think there's some issues with his intensity and his drive and kind of, you know, playing hard every snap, which is pretty much the opposite of what you're getting with Tevin Jenkins. But I'm going to go with Samuel Cosme out of Texas. Um, and, and really the deciding factor with him over somebody like, uh, uh, uh the Radins or Radin Radin's Radunes kid or, out of yeah. Radunes, yeah out of North Dakota state who was good at this at the uh the senior bowl but
0: he was fantastic in one-on-ones at the senior yeah, bowl yeah
1: very good which you know we talked about it last week like yeah. uh one-on-one defensive offensive line like that's a good sign of what alignment is capable of despite of where he played in college and you know in his games but uh, the difference between that with uh the North Dakota state kid and Cosme, is that I think Cosme is going to be a little bit more battle tested and be ready to step in there week one yeah. and protect Trevor Lawrence. So I, I'm going to go Cosme here. And again, it's not a pick that I necessarily love. I don't yeah. I'm not a huge Cosme guy, but I think he's, I think he can be a, a serviceable tackle for next year or a couple of years until perhaps they get like the you know the long term solution at left tackle.
0: Yeah. To me, he seems like more of a right side player in the NFL. Um, you mentioned the intensity and the physicality and look, that's kind of the issue with the two tackles they have now, right? Like with Cam Robinson and John yeah. Taylor, that's kind of the issue is that they're not like intense and, and physical tackles. Uh, so I, I almost kind of feel like you're drafting the same guy that they already have. And I don't know, like for me, at least I look, I could be wrong, but, um, I'm all, I'm just, I, I'm not a Cosme first round guy. I, I think, uh, you take him in the second round absolutely like it's but yeah that's just but you know again we're gonna we're gonna differ on on how we view these guys so
1: yeah yeah this i agree i mean i'll admit this was a tough pick because right i I, they desperately need an an offensive tackle and i don't think that yeah i think they need to get one here but i don't necessarily think any of the tackles left are you know super trustworthy
0: right yeah, I I would pro I I I like the gamble on what potentially uh, Dylan Roudines or or Walker Little could be. Obviously, there's a gamble with yeah. those guys as well. I just I think their upside is so much higher than Cosmes.
1: Yeah, I mean I agree. I think their upside is higher. I just, I, in my opinion, like I said, I just, yeah, I, I went with a guy that I could trust week one, and whether he starts the season as the backup and fills in later, I don't just right. I had to go with a guy that's a little bit more battle-tested here because they, they need to trust somebody.
0: Yeah. All right, the Cleveland Browns are on the clock at pick number 26. Uh, look, they had the best offensive line in the NFL last year. They can run the football on pretty much everybody. Uh, Baker Mayfield certainly took steps in the right direction last year. They have pass catchers, although I do think that they could benefit from adding another pass catcher in this draft. Again, it's a position where I think – you can get that later in the later rounds whether it's a second round third round you can find talented pass rushers a little bit later so their defense absolutely needs help i think it probably would have been an edge guy aaron for me before they took they picked up clowney now i don't think that's as much a need and you just start looking at the entire defense and what makes the most sense and where you're going to get a guy that that potentially just helps you immediately Uh, Because you know they're they're not a project anymore. The Browns are ready to compete. Uh, So for me, again, talking about versatility and a guy that can just do so much, uh, I'm going to go from the state of Oklahoma, linebacker out of Tulsa, Zavin Collins to the Cleveland Browns.
1: Great pick. They, I mean, they really need a linebacker. Um, Not desperate, obviously, because they made the playoffs. They were good last year, but I think they that is a position that they could use a big upgrade at and. Yeah, I mean, they Jamie brought Collins in Anthony
0: Walker from, from Indy to play the middle linebacker. But, like, somebody brought this up last week, and I think it's a great comp uh, for Zayvon Collins. Remember what Jamie Collins used to I mean, Jamie Collins played mm-hmm. in Cleveland. Uh, obviously, he was a Pro Bowl caliber guy in New England. But
1: great in New England, yeah.
0: I, I think uh, Zayvon Collins is that type of linebacker, right? Like, just can do so much. Here's why Zayvon
1: Collins is a perfect pick for Cleveland here. Because of the division that they play in, because the AFC North is so physical, Baltimore runs the ball a lot. Pittsburgh, to they, I, mean, I know they want to run the ball. Um, maybe they get a running back in at some point in this draft that they can trust way more than James Conner or Benny Snell. But Pittsburgh's always wanted to run the ball. But regardless um, of them passing so much last year, it's a lot of a lot of short passes. So you need a good linebacker to cover the middle of the field or you know kind of cover the flats. And then, uh, who's a third Cincinnati Cincinnati is kind of a wild card, but they're not really competitive in that division at this point yet. Yeah. But Zayvon Collins is a great player just to match up with Baltimore with the physicality of the way they run and to cover the tight ends over the middle of the field. Yeah. I think that Zayvon Collins is a perfect fit a for that division in general and B, especially for Cleveland to compete with Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Baltimore, I believe I have Baltimore's pick next and, Mm. So I'm debating between two positions here. So I think they need, oh, I don't think, I know they need help at receiver, but I think that the way that Greg Roman runs that offense, I just don't, I don't think that receiver is de- necessarily super crucial to that offense being successful with Lamar Jackson and their ability to run the ball. I think that Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle, at tight end are the no- number one and maybe like the number three option, two or three options in the passing game. Yeah bringing in Sammy Watkins is whatever he's Sammy Watkins, but he at least adds a little bit more versatility to their passing game or a little bit more size rather to the receiving core. Um, But you would think with Sammy Watkins, Marquise Brown and Devin Duvernay, they can stretch the field and Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle can do the job uh, in the short to intermediate passing game. So with that being said, I'm looking at a defense that, you know, coached by Don Martindale, that's been really good for a long time. At least that's a trend in Baltimore. Martindale's, you know, knows what he's doing on the, the defensive side. They lost Yannick Ngakwe. They don't have um, Terrell Suggs anymore. Obviously, he's he's retired. So I'm looking at the edge rushers, a little bit of a need, but I think their defense is so good, even with the edge rush need, that they can take a chance on a guy and do take a little bit on more of a project. So I'm going to go with a project here, but a guy that could have a super high ceiling. And he's shown flashes of being an amazing pass rusher. I'm gonna go with Jason Owa out of Penn State. Much like, uh, much like Quiddy Pay, a unpolished edge rusher, but just physically like unbelievable. Yeah. And he doesn't have to walk into Baltimore year one or year two and be a world beater and be the best edge rusher in the league. He can just go in there and play on third down or play, you know, playing play like a rotational role in that defense. And they can mold him into what they want him to be, but I think that just the physical traits and Baltimore having the luxury of kind of taking a chance right here. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Jason Owa.
0: Yeah, I I like it. If you don't go receiver, um, Owe, I think you know when you look at his length and athleticism coming off the edge, uh, you know that we had the conversation about the sack numbers and whether that's an issue. You know, I think you you get into Baltimore and your 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 job is to just go chase the quarterback and. And that's, you know, that's it. Uh, you're going to be put in, in some pretty good situations. Um, I, I, I love that fit.
1: Oh, wait. I said his name wrong. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore just, yeah. There are plenty of receivers here left on the board as well. I mean, you could go receiver here for sure. And they could yeah. use an upgraded receiver. But I just, I don't know if, uh, I don't know. Just doesn't seem, that's not the Baltimore uh, MO, I
0: guess, to take a receiver yeah. over, like an edge rusher. Yeah. All right. The New Orleans Saints are on the clock at number 28. Um, I know what position I'm taking. I'm just not 100% sure which guy I'm taking here. Um, When you look at the Saints, obviously good defense, um, good defensive line. Uh, I I think that linebacker could be upgraded in this situation. Um, Secondary, I think corner could be an option. Uh, Again, I think when you talk about the safety position, that's something else they could go with. But you know, again, I don't know that you're addressing that at 28 here when you look at what's available on the board. Um, they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, so I don't think that's really an option. You have a new quarterback. It's it's a new era. Drew Brees is gone. I think you have to start talking about pass-catch options. And, you know, Michael Thomas obviously was terrific a couple years ago, and, you know, there there have been issues in that department from a health standpoint, from a locker room standpoint. Um But he's really, I mean, I think your only solidified guy at the receiver position on that entire roster. I think everything else is kind of a question mark. Traquan Smith has has made some nice plays here and there, but I don't know that he is uh, just a guy that that you are so happy with that you're not going to maybe potentially find somebody else. So I'm deciding between either going with a big guy that can play on the outside like a, a Terrace Marshall Jr., or going with a, a guy that can play on the inside like a Kadarius Toney uh, that, that can just potentially be problematic. I, I think when you're looking at um, everything that, that is brought to the table, I, I think the guy that probably, in my opinion, benefits them most and just potentially makes life a little bit easier for the other players on that, that offense, I'm going to go Terrace Marshall Jr., wide receiver LSU to the Saints.
1: I like that pick. I love Terrace Marshall. We talked about it last week on our position rankings. I think that he is, I obviously one of the five best receivers in this class. I love his his catch radius, his athleticism. He's still young. Like there's so his body is still like he's still filling it out. Like he's slender, yes, but again, he's only 20 years old. Like he's gonna he's gonna fill that frame out. I'm glad you took him though because my next pick, I'm also looking at receiver. Um. I love Terrace Marshall, but I probably would have passed on Terrace Marshall with Green Bay because I look at Green Bay and they're they're in a win-now mode. They're in a situation where Aaron Rodgers probably has – I'm assuming he's not Tom Brady with the age thing. So I'm going to say three to four years of elite-level quarterbacking uh, at most at this point. So they need to bring in some help, obviously, because it's been – Years and years and years and years of Devonte Adams just being the only guy that Aaron Rodgers can trust in that offense. And you could, you know, MVS had some games where he he, he flashed, but there were a lot of times that he dropped wide open passes and uh, could have made a difference in them. Uh, you know, going further in the, in, into the playoffs or whatever it might be. But I'm gonna give them another receiver. I'm gonna give, but I'm gonna go with a guy that they can slot in their game one, week one, and trust. I'm going to go with a guy that's experienced. He can play inside. He can play outside. I'm going to go with Elijah Moore. I think that oh. he, he's not the flashiest receiver pick here. Um, I think that getting a guy like Rondell Moore could be fun. He could be like a, like a Randall Cobb type player for Aaron Rodgers uh, that he really has been lacking since Randall Cobb started getting hurt a few years back. But I think that Rondell Moore is not trustworthy with the injuries. He really is more of a gadget player. Which again, they could use they they could utilize a guy like that, but I think they just desperately need a second guy that they can trust on from snap to snap. And I think Elijah Moore is the receiver that's left on the board that slots in there week one that uh, Aaron Rodgers and Matt Lafleur can trust.
0: Yeah, I I, I like that pick. I I thought it was going to be Tony to be honest with you, Uh, but yeah, I, I I mean they're they're different, but they they would play the same role for Green Bay and and finally. Aaron Rodgers gets a first-round weapon.
1: Right. Uh, by the way, I meant to ask before I went into the, the draft. What are, what are you thinking about these rumors that uh, Green Bay might trade Jordan Love to New England?
0: Look, I, I said a year ago I didn't think Jordan Love was a first-round guy, so if New England's going to give you future first-round capital, uh, I, I would say take it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great move for Green Bay. If yeah. New England does that, does that take, necessarily take a quarterback off the board in the first round for them?
0: For Green Bay, for New England, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. You think if so? they go get Jordan Love, yeah, they're not uh, they're not going to take. I it. guess it depends what they give up for him. Yeah, I, Green Bay wouldn't let him go without getting a, a first. So yeah, I mean they used a first on him a year ago. Like it's yeah.
1: I guess you got to re- recoup. I mean he's like, he hasn't done anything, so you don't know yeah. that he sucks necessarily in game.
0: I I would like I would rate him below Mac Jones. So Jordan Love for
1: sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So if well, you gave me, like if, if I were Jones New England, I, yeah, I would I would much rather have Mac Jones than Jordan. Love. So
1: would I. Yeah. But he just doesn't fit their system either. He doesn't really fit what they do. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I. You know. Again, it's he's he's. Uh, I feel like Trey Lance to me feels like he's further along than Jordan Love.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but, I I agree with you. I didn't we'll see, see anything last year. Or in college, where I said Jordan Love is a first round talent. I think, if I recall correctly, last year, I mean, he was fluctuating between like the end of the first and like that third round.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, well, as as it got closer, people, you know, he was pushed them up, definitely oh, yeah. moving up. But yeah. yeah, yeah. I never, I never thought he was first round guy. All right, uh, number thirty is the Buffalo Bills. Um, this is where it gets really you know, interesting, these last like five or six picks in the first round, because I mean, these are teams that are really good, obviously, uh, and and don't necessarily have a lot of holes. Therefore, I don't think there's like glaring needs necessarily with these teams. And it kind of just becomes a situation where it's like, where can you just get a guy that's going to come help you and kind of a best player available type ways is, is how I look at this. Um, the bills, if you're going to call them needs, I guess the bills needs would, I, I think all be on the defensive side, right? Like, probably some interior defensive line help, some edge help, uh, maybe maybe, corner help. I think they they probably need a running back on the offense, but other than that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the guys they have there if those guys were to just be able to stay healthy. Like, certainly a guy like Travis Etienne or Najee Harris or Javante Williams is an upgrade from Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, but if they can keep those guys on the field, I think those guys are – are definitely serviceable for what Buffalo asks them to do. Um, I'm going to go edge rush here. And even though I I like Aziz Ojolari a little bit better than the guy I'm actually going to take here, because I just think this guy fits Buffalo better than Aziz Ojolari. So I know his draft stock has has slid quite a bit, but I think it's still easy to really just fall in love with uh, the frame, the athleticism. And again, when you're picking at 30 – Um, it's, it's somewhat of a luxury pick and and you hope it, it works out. So, um, they just don't build defensive ends like Gregory Rousseau. So again, while I, I like Aziz Ojolari a little bit better as an edge rusher, um, I I just don't think he fits Buffalo very well. So Gregory Rousseau, Miami.
1: I like that pick. They could, I mean, again, you could never have too many guys that get to the quarterback and yeah. uh, they weren't necessarily superb at getting to the quarterback last year either. Right. Um, so yeah, I think adding in an edge rusher and there's a great pick um, Kansas city. So I mean, they, they let uh, they let the two tackles go. Uh, let me pull, I'm gonna pull up their depth chart. Cause I know they brought guys in, but I can't remember off the top of my head who it was. Uh, they brought in, Austin Blythe and Joe Tooney, who are both inside guys, so uh, I'd say they probably desperately need some offensive tackles. So I'm going to go with a with a guy we talked about just a few minutes ago. Uh, between uh, Walker Little and Dylan Radunes are the guys that I'm looking at at the tackle position at the top of the board. I think that in that offense with Patrick Mahomes kind of improvising as much as he does, I think Walker Little would be an absolute disaster in that offense. I don't think that Walker Little is athletic enough to, you know, kind of play in that improvised heavy offense. Uh, and when you consider Walker Little has not played in a game since Week One of 2019, kind of raises some eyebrows there. So right. I, I'm going to go with Dylan Raduns, who is he's slimmer, he's just barely over 300 pounds, but that should translate to him being one of the more athletic tackles in this draft. Yeah. So. I'm going to go with the guy who, like we said, looked great at the Senior Bowl one-on-ones and a guy that I'm hoping is athletic enough to play with Patrick Mahomes and all of the crazy stuff that Patrick Mahomes does post-snap. So I'm going to go with Redones here. They need to replace Eric Fisher and Schwartz. So guy out of uh, North Dakota State. Two North Dakota State players taken in the first round.
0: I like it. I, I actually love that pick for Kansas City. And, and you're exactly right. I think he's an athletic tackle. Uh, I like what he showed in the one on ones at the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, is, is, are there the questions about level of competition and all that stuff? Of course. I mean, that's, you know, we're always going to bring that up when you talk about a guy that, um, you know, even the guys that don't play in Power Five schools, uh, much less, you know, North Dakota State. But I love the athleticism and to, to play in an up tempo, you know, spread you out. Uh, Go in all different directions, stretch you out as much as possible. Offense, Uh, I think he's the perfect kind of tackle that you're looking for. So, um, yeah, that's a great pick in my opinion.
1: And and I don't know that I don't know that he which side of the line he'll end up playing on, but I don't think it really matters for Kansas City. They need yeah they need like right and left side tackles to improve or what they have right now.
0: Agreed. Yeah, just yeah, plug him in and see what happens. I mean, it's they let go of both of their starting tackles. And obviously, right. we saw what happened in the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, you just got to get some bodies that. Uh, that I I think he would be an upgrade over what they had. So, one hundred percent. And yeah,
1: I I don't think that they. They could probably use another receiver, but it's not a desperate need by any means. Like they, I think they probably need a little bit of a bigger receiver to kind of fill that Sammy Watkins role, but. Again, this class is so deep, and there's definitely no linebackers here that I would want to take at 31 for Kansas City. So, yeah, yeah, easy offensive line pick here. Just, uh, I guess, preference, and I prefer the kid out of North Dakota State, obviously. Yeah.
0: All right, the final pick of the first round, the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, once again, I, I mentioned this with these last few picks. Not really any glaring needs. They were able to retain basically everybody from the Super Bowl team. Literally everybody. They brought yeah. everybody back. Yeah, so there's there's not like a hole that you say like this has to be filled. Uh, so I, I think, once again, it's just a luxury pick. Like you're just, you're taking best player available that potentially, if you're talking about a rotational guy immediately, and then you start maybe looking at the age down the road for some of the guys that are currently in place. Like where could we get a guy that, Helps us situationally in 2021, but maybe becomes uh, a foundation piece later on, or just a starter uh, later on. For me, there are two guys here that make a lot of sense, um, and and it's whether you want to go offense or defense. If you want to talk about the offensive side of things, um, Kadarius Tony, receiver out of Florida, I think would fit perfectly. I, I don't. Did they bring back Antonio Brown actually? Uh, you know what? Actually, that one is the one I. I can't not remember sure if about. they brought Antonio Brown back, but. Um, I, they could use a, a slot receiver. Uh, and and look, again, when you talk about uh, age and, you know, I think Kadarius Toney is just a, a guy that, that from his playmaking ability is going to help pretty much anybody that takes him.
1: Uh, Antonio Brown does not appear to be okay. on their depth chart for this year.
0: So there you go. He could step in and maybe play the role that Antonio Brown played a year ago. Or you could go with the defense, which, look, if we're being honest – for as much love as Tom Brady was getting, it it was the defense that ultimately won them the Super Bowl. hundred percent. I I think when, when I look at the board, there's a guy for me that I, you know, believe is a first round talent. Um, I, I think he fits their scheme. Well, uh, in fact, I actually heard a comp for him as Shaq Barrett. So, um, like I said, I think at a premium position, pass rusher, you can never have too many. Jason Pierre, Paul's getting up there in age. Um Aziz Ojalari edge rush Georgia to the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: Rich get richer.
0: Isn't that insane? Uh, Yeah, look, I mean, he's a great pick. He's there. He's a really good edge
1: rusher, a good linebacker, man. But yeah, look, uh, JPP is he's at the I mean, he's been really good in Absolutely. Tampa Bay, but he's 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 moving towards the end of his career. He's been around a while. He's getting up there. So uh, if they can find a replacement for him, uh, that's a great pickup. Shaq Barrett, I think there's still a lot of people, even though he was still good last year, that are a little skeptical on him being a long-term solution at the edge. uh, Just because he never really, what what he's been in Tampa Bay and what he was in Denver have just been almost completely polar opposite. So there's still people that are iffy on him. So Yeah. yeah, to get another edge rusher to, Go in there, and especially when you look at the uh, the backups they have at the edge, like Cam Gill and Anthony Nelson, are not guys that you know right. give you a lot of hope if one of those edge guys goes down. So yeah, to add in Ojalari is a great pick. Uh, by the way, I'm looking at their depth chart. Uh, John Franklin III is one of their cornerbacks. The uh, really? remember him yeah. from Last Chance? Yeah. yeah, the guy that has now played three different positions in the NFL. Unreal. He was a quarterback. A quarter, oh, he was at Auburn as well. He played in the Sugar Bowl. I forgot he played the Sugar Bowl against yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, quarterback the, the Auburn uh, Tigers in the Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma. Went to the NFL as a receiver, and now he's playing cornerback for the Buccaneers. Wow. At least at this point right now, uh, off-season roster. Yeah. But yeah, just all over the place. Thought that was interesting. I but, also considered yeah, kid,
0: maybe like a uh, Elijah Molden or Asante Samuel Jr. here.
1: Yeah, I think they could probably – I think a nickel bag probably wouldn't be the worst pick for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, like, I mean, they literally brought – like we said, I, I guess outside of Antonio Brown, they brought everybody back. They definitely brought back all their starters. Yeah. So just – yeah, it's crazy. They're going to be good again as long as Tom Brady is, just doesn't fall off a cliff, which he – everybody has
0: said that for the last five years, and he's yet to fall off a cliff. So – yeah. Well, if the defense plays at that level, they don't need him to be. I, I mean, again, to, yeah. they, they they didn't need him to be great. Just don't lose games. Yeah. Like, yeah, and it, I think a lot of people forgot or didn't pay attention in 2019. They had the
1: best rush defense in the league. Yeah. So this isn't wasn't like necessarily a flash in the pan last year. Like they've been building a good defense for the past few years.
0: Yeah, I mean, look at yeah, Vita Vea in the middle of that thing is a mountain, and he's he's the most athletic big man I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Andama Kisu. Sue is yeah just a killer Uh, the linebackers. I mean, we talked about the edge rush guys and then, you know, Devin white Levante, David, and the versatility that both of those guys have. Uh, And you know, they could, I think they could probably use some help in the secondary, but I was about to say, I don't, I'm not, I'm not like in love with the secondary, but it's serviceable.
1: So I was going to say, I don't think their secondary is even close to elite, but their front seven is so good that they don't need an elite, you know, secondary. Right. I, their front seven is arguably the best front seven in, in the entire league. I think that you could probably – there's arguments with, like, Minnesota's front sevens up there. Um, maybe Indianapolis' front seven. But, like, oh, we saw – I mean, they won the Super Bowl. I mean, Tampa Bay's front yep. seven dominated, especially those linebackers were so good in the Super Bowl that, yeah, just adding another guy to that front seven is just scary, man. Yep.
0: All right, that was fun. Uh, any picks that uh, that you uh, walk away from, like, not crazy about that pick or any that you were uh, completely shocked to get?
1: The Cosme pick at 25 for Jacksonville, I'm, I'm, I, and again, I was, when I made the pick, I was very, like, torn on it, and whether or not I liked it. But, um, again, just they desperately needed an offensive tackle. But I just, there wasn't anyone that I necessarily loved at that point. Uh, the Redunds kid out of North Dakota state going to Kansas city. I think I like that a little bit better because just because of the situation and, and the fit, um, I was pretty shocked to get Christian Barmore at 21. Honestly. Yeah. I think that he's probably going top 16 to 18. I think he's more talented than that. I just don't think there's a lot of teams that look as interior defensive line is like a desperate need. Um, so, yeah, it, for Indianapolis to get Barmore to put on that defense I think is a pretty pretty huge get at 21.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Like I said, there were three spots that uh that I considered him for um and if if the guy that I took had been gone, that would have been the the next option. So, yeah, he's he's uh he might be the most I I think along with Micah Parsons. I mean, those two might be my my most interesting picks as far as where they land, because I think they're both talented enough to be potential, you know, with Parsons, top 10 for sure, with Barmore, you know, 10 to to 12. But I mean, either one of those guys could potentially slide further just because when you look at at what's valued in this draft and the positions that are valued in this draft, um, like it it wouldn't surprise me to see either one of those guys slip a little bit and somebody get a massive steal on the second half of that first round. Yeah,
1: yeah, 100%. I mean, Barmore is just so dynamic in both the pass and the rush that he's not really hes not—I don't—I don't view him as a as a scheme guy or like a fit guy. I think that he's just kind of a situation where a team, if a team isn't in going into that pick just with the idea of taking the best available, he's going to be the best available yeah. for a lot of teams. For you know, once we get past like seven, I think yeah. a lot of teams might slate him as a top available. Just be. I mean, he's really good. I mean, like you said, he was a defensive MVP in the national championship game. I think PFF had him graded like 80 plus in both the pass and the rush last year. So, yeah, he, yeah he's he is, he's super dynamic. I don't let, let me ask you this. Obviously, he's not up there, but how close is he to Quinn and Williams level?
0: Oh, I don't think he's close.
1: Not even close. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I don't again, think obviously Quentin Williams was, yeah. is above him. But To me, Quentin scared, and Williams,
0: and you know this, I was, I had, like, a love affair with, with uh, the idea of Quentin Williams uh, and what he could be. But to me, Quentin Williams grade, graded as, like, one of those generational players at his position. I, yeah. I like Barmore a lot. I, I'm not trying to suggest that I, I don't think he – he's the best interior defensive lineman in this draft. Um I just I don't think like he's one of those guys that you just if you don't take him, you're gonna kick yourself every day for you know, I I think there are enough question marks watching him play that you can always like reassure yourself, like, yeah, we didn't take him because this or this. Whereas with Quentin Williams, like if you don't take it for me, if you didn't take Quentin Williams, you're gonna go watch this guy play and be like why? What was the reasoning for not taking him? He was so dominant and just has a skill set that nobody else has.
1: Yeah, and and I yeah, I would never suggest that Barmore was like equal to to yeah. Quentin Williams. Obviously not because Quentin Williams was kind of the unanimous either. He was going two or he was going three in that draft behind Kyler Murray. Yeah. And I guess when you think about it, we talked about Barmore being dominant against uh in that national Championship game against Ohio State, but Quinn Williams dominated an OU team that had the best offensive line in the country right. and the toughest quarterback to tackle in yeah. all of college football. And, you know, we talked about it before, like, after the game and, you know, since then, the people kind of, like, would, like, oh, he didn't get any sacks or all that stuff. But, like, hey, you could tell. Like, the dude just was a complete disruption every snap. He literally disrupted
0: th- every play at the beginning of that game to the point that OU yeah. couldn't run their offense and didn't score for, what, the first quarter? Yeah, in the best offense in the country, right. the best offensive line, and the best quarterback. He was literally breaking down every play as soon as the the snap happened.
1: Yeah, yeah, that dude's a freak. Yeah, I'm glad he's. Uh, I I was a little worried year one when he struggled and
0: uh, couldn't stay on the field, but year last right. year he was I, so good.
1: Sigh, of relief because he was amazing last year. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He's one of those guys that like. I mean, you always go into every draft with maybe a handful of guys that you just feel like are are just special, right? Like like above and beyond everybody else that's available. And he's one of those I, generational interior defensive linemen for me. So we'll see how – okay. I mean, again, he a lot better last year. We'll see you know what it turns into long-term in the NFL, but his skill set's just unmatched.
1: Okay, real quick, real quick before we wrap up. Just while we're on Quilliams, I just want to – Really gauge how much you loved Quentin Williams on your big board that draft. Did you have him above Kyler Murray?
0: No, only because if you need a quarterback, you have to take a quarterback. Like it's it's a quarterback league. So,
1: so it, it was strictly just a positional thing on putting Kyler Murray one.
0: Like I yeah, I I think for me I this is the this is the way I approach the draft. I I don't compare quarterbacks to everybody else. They're a separate list entirely because if you're in the quarterback market and you view a guy as a franchise quarterback, no matter what else is available, you have to take the quarterback. quarterback. That's that's just my philosophy. So if I'm a team that needs a quarterback and I have the third pick and one of the guys that I view as a franchise quarterback is available, it doesn't matter what my other needs are. I have to go get that guy. So – Kyler Murray was a home run, absolute. You know, I, I thought he was a franchise quarterback. I, I absolutely believed he was going to be the number one pick. He was going to be a really good NFL player. Um, so, if you need a quarterback, like I think you have to go that round that route. And I would even entertain taking Quentin Williams. But I think of the again, my, my my lists are separate. My best player available in that draft, when you look at just the players that are not quarterbacks, was Quentin Williams.
1: Yeah. I think so. I agree with you. That was a, uh, was Nick Bosa in that class or was it Chase Young?
0: Yeah. Nick Bosa.
1: Nick Bosa. Okay. Yeah.
0: Who's also terrific. And, and yeah, really good. He's better than I, I thought he would be. I thought he would be good. I I didn't think he would be as good as he's been so far, but yeah, he's, he's been better than I thought he would be.
1: I mean, there's probably an argument that San Francisco, like that picking Nick Bosa in that draft over Quinny Williams, got them to the Super Bowl that year.
0: Yeah. Well, And and also, you know, they had, they had drafted Eric Armstead and they had drafted DeForest 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 Buckner. Buckner Yeah. Yeah. So I, Nick Bosa seemed like just the, you know, as far as what they had on the defensive line at that point, Nick Bosa seemed like the better option. But I, I, I thought Quentin Williams was just a can't miss. Like if you don't need a quarterback, Quentin Williams should be your, your draft pick for me.
1: I agree. He was, I agree. I was right there with you. I thought he was, I still think he's an incredible uh, lineman
0: other guys that like I would say for me like have been in that same kind of category as far as like can't miss you have to take them um Chase Young obviously yeah like and everybody agreed with that if you're not taking a quarterback Chase Young is the pick uh who uh, Derwin James was a guy like that for me uh Jamal Adams was a guy like that um let's see Devin Miles White Garrett,
1: what- Garrett. I Miles mean, Garrett, everybody, everybody felt that way about Miles Garrett, yeah. but I felt that, yeah, he was there with Miles
0: Garrett. Swift um, Smith was, was a guy like that for me as well. Um, yeah, I remember he's he, been, I remember he's, he's been good. I, I don't know that he's been great at this point, but he's been good.
1: And I'm trying to think of guys that I, uh, I was kind of super high on Smith. can't miss guys. Um, I agree with you with Jamal Adams. I love Jamal Adams. Um, man, a guy that I was super high on that, you know, I also was very skeptical of, just because of all the field. I thought Tyron Matthew was kind of a can't miss prospect at safe at safety or cornerback, or whatever you. The defensive backfield. Um, I was very skeptical on him playing more than like two years in the league, but I thought just yeah. like. Physically and his skill
0: set. Like I thought he was a can't miss dude. Yeah. I liked him a lot, but you know, I think when like he came, he came at the right time. The NFL was starting to shift Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I think just he plays better in today's NFL. Obviously like that is, there's a reason why I think as he's gotten older, like he's become more valuable as a player because the style that's being played in the NFL matches like what he does well.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It allows for that kind of uh I I guess the hybrid type player. Yeah. Although he's he's yeah, he still plays up in the box a lot still with Kansas City. Yeah, he's yeah. he's good. Um I really like Leonard Williams too, but I think I kind of missed the ball on Leonard Williams. He's good, but I I thought he was going to be like Yeah. Well, I, all pro caliber.
0: He's starting to take those steps though. Some you know, like the Jets, it never really worked there. Um but he's been great with the giants so yeah yeah yes you know sometimes it's about uh fit and being somewhere else i i'll tell you the guy um that i i loved and i was just praying that that he would get to the cowboys and he's become the best player in the nfl was aaron donald aaron donald the year that he was in the draft i was literally like watching the draft on my knees Fingers crossed! Like, please let him get to the Cowboys. Please let him get to the Cowboys. And I was so upset when the Rams took him.
1: I mean, the Cowboys still got a good pick, though. I mean, they they had to settle for Zach Martin. So yeah, well, he's not Aaron Donald. They didn't blow the pick, at least. But
0: yeah, I hated the pick at the time, and it wasn't because it, anything about Zach Martin. It was just because he wasn't Aaron Donald, uh, right? And yeah, like it, like you said, it worked out. But I was so. Unsatisfied with that selection simply because I was like, "Please let Aaron Donald get there."
1: And that draft class was pretty. Yeah, looking at the uh, that draft class was pretty good. I mean, there were some
0: huge that, swing and miss guys.
1: It was uh, fourteen. There were some huge swing and miss guys, but there was also some really good picks in that draft. Yeah, Khalil Mack going five, um, Taylor Luan at eleven, Od- Odell Beckham at twelve, Donald at thirteen. Yeah. Martin, 16. C.J. Mosley, 17.
0: I'll tell you one I whiffed on bad uh, a few years ago was T.J. Watt. There was a lot of conversation about T.J. Watt to the Cowboys, and I was like, well, mostly because of the fit. I just didn't think it was a good fit. Um, I think he went
1: to the perfect team, Yeah, he went to the
0: perfect team, perfect fit for his skill set. I didn't think what Dallas was doing was going to fit him well, period. But I also just wasn't like super high on him uh, and dead wrong on TJ Watt. Yeah.
1: He's a, I thought he was good in college, but I I agree with, I never would have suspected he would be what he is just because I guess I was comparing uh, naturally comparing him to his brother and they're just two completely different players. Right. So probably not fair to compare them, but yeah, he's, I think that he's really good in that Pittsburgh system who knows if he goes somewhere else. I mean, I think there's probably five teams that he Like, I think if he goes to Baltimore, he still dominates. Um, but hell, if he would have went to like Detroit, I think he probably not. He probably would have struggled.
0: Yeah.
1: I really, also another guy that I was really high on that. I missed, I, I would say I missed on, but given where they picked him, I don't think it's a huge L for me. I I really thought Teddy Bridgewater would be a good NFL quarterback. And you could argue that the injury stuff kind of derailed that. But I looked at him in that 2014 quarterback class and I thought for sure he was the best quarterback in that class. But I just, he's just, I mean, he's okay. He's, he's a serviceable, like fill in starter or backup at this point. But I really thought he was going to be good. Like I was he, in he was in the 14 gonna, class. Yeah. He was a 32nd pick in the 2014 class, which is a terrible quarterback class. Yeah. So he still might be the best quarterback in that class. I just, I thought I really wanted Houston to draft him. I thought yeah. that Houston needed to trade up into that 30, into the end of the first round and take him.
0: Yeah. But, I remember liking him the best in that class. Um, Let's see, Blake Bortles, terrible. Johnny Manziel, Johnny Manziel, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, yeah, yeah. Bridgewater was my number one then.
1: Yeah, I guess Derek Carr is probably the best quarterback out of that class, right? Um, but I mean, anyway, it's
0: it's bad. It's a bad class. Yeah, not good. Ugh. My my worst QB evaluation: Josh Rosen. Ugh.
1: I thought he was going to be good, too. I, yeah,
0: just ugh. horrible. But
1: you know what? I think that the Josh Rosen pick is something that people that are high on Mond need to look at because they're two quarterbacks that played a lot in college and never got better.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because Josh, like, you could argue that uh, Josh Rosen's best year in college was his freshman year. Right. And I, I mean, I don't know that Kellamont's freshman year, well, he didn't play the entire freshman year, but I like,
0: yeah, just. You know who else was like that? Christian Hackenberg. Remember Christian Hackenberg? Uh, LSU kid? Penn State. Penn State. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was like, after his freshman year at Penn State, people were like, oh, future number one overall pick. And then, uh. He went to the Jets, right? Yeah, I think it was the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean there's just no reason that if your quarterback play starts for three years or four years or three, whatever the case might be by the end of his senior, his last game, his senior year should be the best. Like he's looked ever. He's ever looked. Yeah. Not, you know, his third game he played his freshman year. Yeah.
0: The cool thing is, especially with the quarterback position, like we've seen such a renaissance as far as, that position and how it's played in the NFL today and like just how different the quarterback position is in 2021 versus like five years ago. Like, like I view the the way that I, I look at these guys and what they're capable of in the NFL and like what I need out of them completely different than I did just like two years ago, even.
1: Yeah. Uh, Hell, I was super wrong on Josh Allen too. I thought to me, Josh Allen was just like a more athletic Brock Osweiler. Yeah. And obviously completely wrong on that. He's again, though, he is a quarterback that year to year gets better and has yeah. got, he's improved every year. And I don't know about, I don't know. I obviously didn't follow his career at Wyoming, but if he's done that in the NFL, I would be shocked to find out that he didn't do that in college as well. They didn't yeah. get better year to year.
0: I thought that Josh Allen was a significantly less skilled Passing version of Ben Roethlisberger. I could see that. Yeah, like I just thought it was, was like yeah. a Ben. Like I thought that was like the comp as far as like the style, but I just didn't think he was at, like as good throwing the ball as as Roethlisberger.
1: I, could, I mean, we all know he had a cannon, but I yeah. mean, that doesn't mean anything if you can't. Right. Jamarcus Russell I mean, had a
0: cannon. Yeah,
1: right. And Josh Allen. I mean, he did this his rookie year. I mean, he was overthrowing dudes by fifteen to twenty yards consistently. Right. So but that, in today's
0: NFL, they've, they've figured out a way to make, you know, to use your athleticism mm-hmm. as an added weapon so that you don't have to be as precise throwing the football. Right. Like, I mean, it's but
1: he, right. Yeah. But he's gotten so much better too. Absolutely. His accuracy was so much better last year than from year one to year three, his accuracy has improved tenfold. And he talked yeah. about changing his mechanics and all that stuff. And that's part of, you know, improving year to year is realizing those things or having the coaches around you to help you realize them. But I mean, sometimes some, di- some yeah. guys just don't improve, whether that's your situation of coaching or just their personal belief that they don't need to or whatever. But yeah, yeah that's I also, what, that's my, I,
0: I think for a long time, we also kind of felt like the mobile guys, they might have success early, but you know, they're going to get hurt eventually. Cause you can't just, you can't be mobile in the NFL and take the amount of hits that you're mm-hmm. going to take. Well, th- the reason that that's no longer a conversation is because the rules have changed so significantly that these guys aren't getting hit anyway. Like right. hardly anybody ever, you know, even when quarterbacks do run, nobody really takes those opportunities to tee up on them. I mean, you have to be so careful with quarterbacks that they just, they don't take a lot of hits when they get outside the pocket. I mean, the biggest hits they take, I think now are the ones that, that they take when they're in the pocket and they get sacked. Like right. we just don't I see admit. quarterbacks taking big hits when they start, getting outside the pocket and start you know roaming and and extending plays so I think the conversation that we used to have about like yeah you might have a mobile quarterback and that might work for a little bit but he's going to take so many hits then you know you're not going to have him long term uh that's out the window so now you can rely on that mobility to make up for maybe some of the deficiencies in your overall passing ability
1: Hell, I mean, Dak Prescott got hurt on a freak tackle, on a freak accident on an ankle tackle. Yeah, it's not like he got lit up when he got hurt. Right. I I would be curious too. I would be curious to see if Ben Roethlisberger last year took more combined hits than Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson.
0: Oh, I bet he did.
1: Uh, Yeah, I would. I would say so as well. With those dudes, just like you said, they're not getting hit, but yeah. Roethlisberger getting, I I know he's getting lit up back there in that pocket.
0: Like how many times do you watch an NFL game and see a guy take a hit outside the pocket? It just, I I don't feel like I see that very often. Whereas you're, I mean, if you're in the pocket, you're, you're gonna get hit throwing the football. You're going to get sacked. Like you're going, I think you're just going to take more punishment being a pocket passer than you are being a mobile quarterback these days. Right. And I mean, too, if you're Kyler, if you're
1: a mobile quarterback like Kyler Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, or hell, even Josh Allen, once you get out of the pocket, how often are you getting hit from behind? Every hit you take, you're you're bracing for it, you're ready for it because it's always going to be in front of you, or like, you know, maybe out of your peripheral. But if you're in the pocket, you're getting blindsided all the time.
0: Yeah, agreed. So we have, uh, we have picks two, or rounds two and three tomorrow. We'll just continue this board. So we pick up where we left off uh, tomorrow. Um, so again, you're, you're referring back to what happened today as far as the previous picks when we, uh, when we get to this tomorrow. So uh, this is going to be fun. Um, we'll, uh, I'll let you continue with the odd picks. I'll continue with the even picks. That gives me at least the Dallas second round pick. And I think the odd pick also confirms that you're going to get to make the Texans pick when we finally get there at what, 67? Something like that. Sam Ellinger. In that uh, in that area, yeah. Go Texans. Kellen Mond.
1: Kellen Mond or Sam Ellinger. I told that's you yesterday
0: made. via text that if I were picking for the Texans, I was going to give them Kellen Mond. Look, that's what they deserve. Yeah. You want
1: to, let's give a bad team a bad quarterback, and let's just let's just call it what it is.
0: By the way, when Kellen Mond gets drafted tomorrow, expect like at least a five minute breakdown of that pick from both of us because we we both have pretty strong feelings about Kellen Mond.
1: No way. There is no way he goes round one. If Chris Sims is the GM, he's going round one. But there is no way any of these teams are drafting Kellen. Mond I wouldn't more. take him in nope, the in the. No the I
0: wouldn't take him day two.
1: But somebody's I going
0: it, to, but I wouldn't.
1: I think at the end of the third round, maybe if your team is bad enough, and who cares? Like the Texans, yeah. who cares? They're so bad that it doesn't matter. You take if you take a risk on a quarterback, then whatever. But yeah, I end of round three is the earliest I would even consider taking him. Yeah,
0: not me. I think you're still getting starting caliber players in the third round. So, yeah. Kellen Ma on day three. But somebody like the Broncos or the Bears is probably going to pull the trigger. Or, or your so. Texans in round two. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. All right, he is Aaron Davis. I am Colby Daniels. Uh, rounds two and three of this NFL mock draft tomorrow. See you. Thanks to Aaron Davis for joining me on this episode of the Colby Daniels podcast. Once again, rounds two and three of the mock draft are tomorrow, so tune in for that. Uh, And also next Thursday, just a reminder, we are going to be broadcasting live from chalk beginning at six 30 and we will be live throughout the entire first round of the NFL draft, giving our analysis and predictions and all of that good stuff. Uh, It's going to be a ton of fun. I'm really excited about this and uh, I I can't wait for next Thursday night again. So come hang out with us. $3 Bud Light all night long. Plus, you're going to have your opportunity to win prizes. You can draw prospects. If your prospect gets drafted in the top 10, you're going to win prizes. This is going to be really cool. So if you're looking for a place to uh, enjoy the NFL draft, chalk in Chisholm Creek. All right, that is it for this episode presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, or Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. Plus... We're saving you 15% when you order online. A Botanical Discount code Colby Show at checkout. Again, 15% off your online order. A Everybody, have a great day. Stay safe. And I will see you tomorrow.